53 years in the military. I uh, hope you have your questions ready. Hit me in the bottom right-hand corner in the notes or in the comments, and I'll make sure we bring you up and get a question for Mike Flynn. He's got two hours with us. And, again, I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, help me uh, coordinate or move this room around, okay? Yeah, 100%, brother. 100%. Roger Stone just made it into the room. Roger, thank you for being here. I just added you, Roger. There we go. Hey, and I, I had problems getting on. I'm sorry I'm late tonight, guys. I had a few issues myself. So let's do and it. I just sent the link to Mike. Room, hit the bottom right corner and make sure you retweet the space. Roger Stone, pleasure to see you again. This is going to be crazy. Roger Stone and General Flynn on the same stage. Wow. I mean, let's talk about it. GC, Elena, I mean, this is going to be insane. Let's talk about it. Yeah, it should be great. So, oh, there's there's Mike. I think is that LTG. I think that's Mike down there. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mike. I just sent you an invite. Uh, you'll see it. I think in the bottom left hand corner. Oops. I don't know if you see it, Nelson. And also, guys, I put Mike's book up at the top link. It's uh, The name of the book is The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. I don't know how many of you read, man. Like, uh, I got three books going on right now, and this is one of them, and I hope you guys go out and take the time to get it. There's Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike, welcome. Hey, Grant. All right. I think I got in. Yeah, I mean, this is my first time doing this, so – you know, new uh, new world here. I like this actually. It's a great format, and uh, appreciate you uh, you running the show here. Thank you. Well, you got it. And and Roger, I don't know if you see Roger Stone in the room. Roger, help me get this with you. Uh, we had a blast a couple of weeks ago. Roger, thank you for being here. Yep, I sure do. I still I do see Roger. Yeah, had a good conversation, and and Roger had a great uh, interview for those that. Uh, don't catch the stone zone. He had a great interview with Alex Jones. Uh, just, I think it was yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, Roger. It was a that, terrific. That is correct. You'll have to go see it on Rumble since uh, Alex is not allowed in this uh, in this space. Uh, with no disrespect to Elon Musk, to whom I am eternally grateful for my voice being returned. I do wish he would let Alex back, but uh, I don't make those decisions. Uh, I guess I wanted to just come on for a beginning at the top because uh, this is really about General Flynn and his story, which is uh, similar to mine in some ways and different in some ways. But General Flynn and I were friends for a good year and a half without having never met. We only had text back and forth and spoken on the phone uh, occasionally. We were both on trial in the same courtroom. We were both on trial being persecuted by the same people. Uh, so we had a common bond long before we met. And then we met actually on January 5th for the first time ever. Uh, and uh, since then, we have spoken together on many platforms and we've shared a few meals and I've gotten to know him and his family extremely well. Uh, and I just have to say, as someone who has worked uh, for four American presidents, uh, as someone who has known numerous United States senators, governors, congressmen, uh, and, and a handful of uh, military leaders. 
General Mike Flynn is one of the finest men I have ever met. He's a, a man of enormous faith. Uh, he is a man of enormous persistence. Uh, he is a, a patriot. Uh, the things they did to him are actually slightly worse than the things they did to me, if that can be believed. Uh, a, a point reached uh, was reached in his case where even the Justice Department recognized that his prosecution was tainted, that it was politically motivated, uh, and the and the prosecutors moved to dismiss the case. Uh, and of course, uh, the judge refused to do that, stalled, then appointed a special counsel of his own, which he had no authority to do to prolong the agony. So uh, I am absolutely convinced, and I've said it on many stages, that General Michael Flynn's greatest public service still lies ahead. Uh, he is a warrior. He knows that we are in a spiritual battle. Uh, he has really put himself out there in terms of travel and time and effort and focus. Uh, and he is loved by millions of Americans who understand what uh, he was forced to endure because of his beliefs and because of the danger that he poses to the deep state based on his knowledge uh, and his experience. So I'm going to shut up because this is really about General Flynn. Uh, but I, I want to thank yeah. you, Grant, for putting this together. Uh, it, my first yeah. experience in Twitter, I was a Twitter space virgin. I loved it. The first one I did with Grant Cardone, uh, I helped persuade the general to join you tonight and uh, take it away, Grant. Yeah, and, and again, Roger, thank you for being here. General Flynn, my, my wife, my wife's up here next to me. We're both big fans and, you know, just want to first thank you for your 33 years of service. And my first question, and I'm going to just let you, you, you go from here. Uh, there's a lot of everyday common people in this room that we don't know. For instance, I don't know all the terms. I don't know what things mean, but I've read a bit about your story. I posted your book up top with a link for, for people to go straight to your website to get it. Is the story is the story about Granada true, where you jumped off of a forty foot cliff to retrieve two soldiers stranded in the ocean? <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a great. Uh, thanks, Grant and uh, Roger, for that uh, that intro too. Uh, yep, the story uh, in Grenada. I, I uh, went down there with the eighty second Airborne Division. I was a platoon leader. We were at the uh, at the at the, uh, I guess it was the western end of the airfield, uh, running a monitoring post where we were monitoring Cuban communications uh, coming into the island at the time. And uh, and I'm a, you know, grew up as a as a great swimmer and a surfer. I, I've been surfing for 50 years now, uh, Grant, more, more than 50 years. And uh, anyway, you know, so I've been out and uh, I've surfed damn near all over the world. Anyway, when at that time. Uh, I was alerted that there was two soldiers uh, that were being swept out uh, off of the currents of uh, around the island of Grenada there. And the currents were pretty strong. And I went over to the cliff where we were, you know, where we were basically at. And it was a pretty high cliff, probably 40 feet or more. And uh, I took a look at the ocean, you know, <laughs> try to understand the, what I was about to go into. And I did. And I jumped off and uh and uh, was able to affect the rescue of those two uh, those two soldiers, and um, and got them out of the water, got them out of the water safe and sound. So, yep, that's and that's and you you were reprimanded for that, right? Yeah, I was reprimanded. Yep, <laughs> because it was you know placing my 
you know, it was like, you know, they, they figured at the time, you know, the guys that were going to come out because a, a helicopter ended up coming out, uh, which, which was part of the rescue. But uh, when I got to them and I was, you know, again, I was a lifeguard. I, I've done a lot of this kind of stuff. And, and as a surfer, I've pulled my surf buddies out of the water in, in uh, some pretty dangerous conditions. And so I, I knew right away it was daylight still. We were actually, uh, when I got them, when I got them out to uh, at least the, the side of the cliff, I, uh, it was, it was right at uh, dusk. But uh, when I watched them, I knew right away that they were in trouble. And one of them was in serious trouble. So, uh, yep, that happened. So uh, should I call you general Flynn, Mike? What, what should I call yeah, you? Mike, I never know call what me Mike. Call. Yeah, no, call me okay. Mike. Yeah. So Mike, you later became a U.S. National Security Advisor. What What is that position, and what, what do you do, and what do you see? Yeah, so for everybody, I think the people that don't understand that the National Security Advisor to the President of the United States is a position that is has really got to be um, have a really special relationship with the President. And from the moment uh, uh, Donald Trump and I met, and, and I met him up in uh, New York, uh, at Trump Tower, he invited me to come down to to just, you know, get to know each other. And we spent a couple hours together and uh, I had a chance to meet some of his team, but also met Eric at that time. And anyway, so for the next couple of years, we rode together and uh, in the campaign, the 2016 campaign. And uh, when he asked me to be his national security advisor, I, I knew right away what that meant. National security advisor is the is the basically exactly what it says you're the security advisor to the president of the United States, you know, on behalf of the United States of America on all issues, everything it doesn't, it's not just about uh, uh, international affairs or, or foreign policy and the wars that we're involved in. You know, of course we were, we were uh, enmeshed in, in, you know, certainly uh, Afghanistan and Iraq still uh, when in that, in that time frame. but we also have, you know, the national security advisor does everything from, Border security, we get deeply involved in, uh, in, you know, the drug problems that are going on in the country, uh, trade, I mean, everything, every single thing that the country does uh, or doesn't do, the National Security Advisor will have his, his or her fingerprints on it and, uh, and on a daily basis, in fact, multiple times a day, has interactions with the president. And I, and I traveled with, uh, with President Trump obviously during the campaign and during the transition and, and for the period of time I was in the white house, we traveled quite a bit, actually, uh, you know, back and forth on different issues. So, and, and you do, um, NASCAR advisor is one of the people in the, uh, in the, uh, the nuclear, um, uh, uh, code, um, chain, so to speak. So understand, you know, I was briefed fully on that and, and, uh, knowledgeable of that particular, uh, capability that the United States has. So, so the National Security Advisor has a complete uh, portfolio of damn near everything that uh, the government is going to be involved in or not. One of the other things, though, I think, uh, you, know, you know, because of the audience that's here and all the things that we've learned over the last, you know, number of years now, five, six, seven years, I guess, um, the National Security Advisor also uh, oversees, the, you know, really the security state. So, it, they, they don't. People don't necessarily answer to you directly, although the influence that you have over, you know, organizations like the CIA, the DNI, the DIA, the NSA, all the all the, 
you know, the three letter uh, agencies, the national security advisor is a director of those, you know, kind of on behalf of the president of the United States, national security advisor runs, runs uh, uh, national security meetings, which are really super important. They're done in the, you know, down in the, uh, in the, uh, the, you know, the, the white house itself down in the bowels of the white house and, and on a daily basis and makes huge decisions or as part of huge decisions, not only for what the president needs to be presented and briefed on, but also some cases making those decisions, you know, the, themselves. The, the national security advisor will have to make decisions based on things, based on what what you know the president, uh, you know, what the president wants to do or doesn't want to do. So very, very extremely important position. Uh, it's vital to the country. Um, and it's one of the reasons because of my background and experience and I just, you know, a, a nickel tour of my career, you know, appreciate you mentioning, you know, nearly three and a half decades of, uh, of service in the military, but sort of my second half of my career where I was, I was at uh, very, very uh, senior and sensitive levels from, from not only a, a combatant command where I was in charge of uh, intelligence for uh, all of central command, which is the middle East, East Africa at the time, central Asia, uh, I had uh, the role as the Joint Special Operations uh, Senior Intelligence Officer, where I was responsible for for all all operations around the world for that particular command. And that command has has a range of of uh, of capabilities and requirements. And principally, we were we were the uh, the the uh, organization responsible for going after really the, the high end terrorist networks around the world. And uh, I also worked in the Pentagon for a year for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, so the senior military advisor in uniform to the president of the United States. I was the uh, chief uh, head, or head of intelligence in the Pentagon, uh, inside the Pentagon as the uh, on the joint staff. And I held that position for a while. And of course, I was in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq in very, very senior positions and, and uh, for a long period of time for you know nearly five years. And then uh, prior to being the uh, NASA career advisor and prior to getting out of the military, I was also the assistant director of national intelligence. So what my immediate boss, who I saw damn near every day when I was not traveling, was Jim Clapper, of all people, right? And, and people can ask me questions about him if you want. Uh, but I was the assistant director for national intelligence for all foreign um, uh, uh, law enforcement and, um, and state-level intelligence. So all international, all national, and all um, state-level intelligence operations for the country and for overseas. I was the, uh, the, the main uh, intelligence person at the national level responsible for the interaction and the operations and how they functioned. And then, of course, I, uh, was, at the, I was the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is also the senior – you're also dual-hatted as a senior – military intelligence officer for the department of defense. And I, and I love and that, that. That was under Barack, right? That was, yeah. So twice. So yeah. And, and one of the things I always like to highlight is that, uh, so that director of national intelligence position that I was in and the director of a defense intelligence agency, I was appointed by Barack Obama twice. And I was 100% confirmed, fully confirmed by the United States Senate for both those positions and then a year and a half later, after I had gotten out of the military, less than a year and a half, the our illustrious uh, Department of Justice, you know, working through the FBI, was had me under investigation. 
And uh, <clears throat> I always like to tell people that after all that was said and done, and we, you know, we know now, uh, and we can talk a little bit about this if you want, but I, we know now that, you know, they didn't even find an unpaid parking ticket on anything. And they, and they, of course, they closed the investigation. But on the very famous meeting on the 5th of uh, January 2017, Barack Obama directed uh, the investigation on me to be open, to stay open. And that's when uh, Uncle Joe Biden, President Biden, I guess, um, he uh, raised this idea of the Logan Act. And, uh, no, you know, everybody in the room was like, what's that? You know, so and that's and that's uh, so that's kind of a, a bit of the background, national security advisor in the White House. And then, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a teaser as to how the next sort of stage uh, was set. And uh, of course, here we are. And I do want to say before I shut up here for a second, uh, Grant, that uh, I do really appreciate uh, Elon Musk and what Elon Musk has has done. I mean, he's, he has obviously spent billions of dollars to own this capability in Twitter. But uh, what he has done for uh, humanity and what he has done for freedom of speech is priceless. Yeah, I, and I can't thank him enough. And, and one of the reasons, Mike, I I, I have a lot, the other platforms I uh, use for disseminating my business activities. And I have pushed so much energy and effort here and resources to thank him, you know, to, mm-hmm. to bring content here because uh, the, the commitment he's made here. I mean, people say he's just a rich guy that made a play over here. But the truth is he could have been doing a billion, 44 billion other things. Yeah. And, now, now, and he's learning. He's learning now. I think that, you know, one of the things that he's seeing, as a lot of people are seeing, is he's seeing the uh, the, you know, how the how the, the sort of the globalist elite will turn on, on their own, you know, because I did consider him in that category yes. uh, just, just because of, you know, the, not only his wealth, but his, you know, the kinds of things that he's involved in, but uh, how they will turn on their own and eat their own. And, yeah. uh, you know, obviously he's, he's like an enemy of the state now, right? Because yeah, exactly. He's, so he's so, opened up, you know, go ahead. Yeah. So, so, so I understand this. Okay. There's two positions. You were, you were with uh, Obama. How did you get that role with Obama? How, how does somebody become the director of defense intelligence and what is it and what do you do every day? Yeah. So um, my, you know, my, op, I had never really uh, spent that much time in Washington, DC. So I, I didn't go to Washington, DC as an, as a officer or as an intelligence officer until I was a two star. So that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot of years in the service. Uh, before going to Washington D.C., where a lot of a lot of you know people that that will make flag rank, make you know general or admiral in the Navy, you know you usually you usually kind of go in and out of Washington D.C. and you go kiss the ring or whatever you want to call it. But uh, my, in my case, I spent mo- you know all my years in the field, so I was either in the I spent 17 years of my nearly 34 years at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, in uh, the 82nd Airborne Division, the 18th Airborne Corps. Or, um, or uh, uh, special operations command, and so I I had a really really strong uh, career in the field as a as a uh, as a very effective uh, leader and as a very effective uh, intelligence officer. And then of course uh, during that time I had also uh, deployed quite a bit. You know, you mentioned we we talked you know kidding about Grenada. But I deployed to, to Grenada as a lieutenant. I deployed to 
Panama. I deployed to uh, places like Honduras and elsewhere in Central America. Uh, I deployed to uh, other places around the world and as well as, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and other roles. And, you know, and so I, I had spent before I went to, to Washington, D.C., uh, the, 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 the times when Obama appointed me, I had spent uh, nearly five years in, in combat. So my my background and my and my experiences, my expertise, the the um, the the network of people that I knew was very, very extensive, especially the international network, because I had worked with. Uh, I'd worked with so many um, other countries over my career, uh, you know, from and, and I'd become, you know, I just become very, very good friends with a lot of people that, that rose in the ranks in their own countries. And and so I had very strong relationships. So, I, you know, I was one of those guys where it, it's like, well, when they start looking at, well, who's who's, you know, best suited to to run this particular organization? Uh, you know, I was honored to uh, to be asked and uh, and I felt very uh, privileged to be able to hold that position. And you're talking about, you know, somewhere between, you know, 17 and 20,000 people that you're in charge of. And, uh, and the guy that, that the funny thing is, is Leon Panetta, Leon Panetta was a secretary of defense, uh, at the time. Uh, and so really my immediate boss in the military side was uh, secretary of defense Panetta. So I, these are people that I know, and we, you know, these are some names that maybe some of the people that are listening tonight know, uh, and her have heard of, but I, my the the network of people that I uh, that I have run into or worked with or or uh, um, come across, you know, is very very extensive over the years. And then of course, um, my my uh, my expertise not just in intelligence but in strategy and in geo geo uh, strategic issues. Uh, I was very very involved in. The uh, and what was going on in Mexico in the drug cartels, uh, which got me very um, intimate with the Drug Enforcement Agency and what was happening with the introduction of various narcotics into this country and how and how our intelligence operations were running. So the the, the spread uh, or, or the scale and the scope, I guess, is really the better way to say it, of the jobs that I've had and the assignments that I've had and the people that I've worked for, particularly the people um, you know, it, it's immense. And I, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I was honored. I'm, I'm, I feel very privileged and uh, to have had those and, and to have served with the, in those positions and definitely with the people. The most important thing I think of anything I learned was that by far we have the best people uh, in the world in our military, especially our enlisted and our, and our sergeants, our non-commissioned officers. So, so Mike, uh, and, and Trump becomes president. Uh, were, were you, you vote right? Military votes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, were you a Trump fan? I mean, how how did you get involved in Trump's world? Yeah, no. So so you know, it's funny. I'm, and with me in the military, I I uh, so I did vote um, infrequently, to be honest with you, because I was deployed a lot, and it was very hard. I mean, if there's a person that understands the absentee ballot system, it's me. And uh, and I because as a commander, you would have to, you know, you'd have to exercise it with your troops. And, you know, if, if people wanted to vote, you got to You know, you got to work out and work through the system to be able to do that. It's not it's not easy, but it's uh, but it's a thorough system, absentee ballots. So I, I tell you that because in the military, I, I really was an infrequent voter. I mean, if there was an issue 
I would vote on it. But I, I wasn't one to, to get in there and vote for, you know, a governor or a president, particularly the president. And honestly, it was because I always looked at the chain of command as sacrosanct. And I didn't want to I didn't want to taint myself. I wanted to be I was totally focused on my mission and the mission that I had, whatever unit that I was in. And I and I and I just didn't look at it like that. And now when I got out uh, or as I was getting out of the military and then when I did get out, of, you know, right after getting out, I started to be approached by uh, people who were uh, looking to run for president. And uh, a couple of them actually, you know, asked me to come in and speak to them about uh, national security related issues, because, again, my background and my experience is very broad and um and uh, and also my educational background, too. I, you know, I've got three master's degrees that I again, I was privileged to get those I worked my tail off to get them. But I, you know, but but I got them. I'm, you know, one I got one I got uh, late at night because I thought I might be getting out of the military at a certain point early on in my career. But so with Trump, I uh, was. Michael, let me, let me ask you. So so when you said people approach you that might be running, what, was that from the right or the left side? Yeah, it was really from it was really from the the Republican side. And and and, you know, when you get um, so I, and I, I was a lifelong Democrat. I mean, I I was uh, I just I actually just changed my party affiliation only two years ago. And maybe I talk, I'll talk about that uh, when, when we talk about some of the other things that I got involved in with uh, with Trump. Um, but so I so I really never looked at myself as as a political person, I, you know, I didn't really think about Democrat and Republican. Um, and frankly, I'm, I'm from up in the, the, uh, uh, you know, state of Rhode Island. And for anybody up in the Northeast that's on this call here, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm from a, uh, an Irish Catholic family, a family of nine brothers and sisters, my mother, and my father, both my parents are deceased. My father, um, was a world war two and Korea vet. Uh, he retired from the army as a sergeant. I uh, went to work as, you know, went to work as a teller at that time with seven kids. And, and, uh, and then my mom, you know, of course he and my mom had two more. Um, and my mom was, a uh, was, uh, you know, she was just a superb woman and uh, brilliant and ended up getting her law degree later on in life. But, uh, you know, all, all that, um, about my sort of political bent, you know, I didn't really care. What I cared about was the direction of the country. And at the time, Particularly at the time, I began to see that the country was was uh, and I and I think it was really the last few years of the military. But I, you know, because I'm looking at decisions being made and this goes back to the Bush administration, decisions being made about about what we were doing in Iraq and Afghanistan. And Obama came in and and the decision making didn't get much better. And what I saw was I saw this deterioration of of uh, of everything in our country. And I. And I, um, but you know, I continued. I, I'm a, I'm a good soldier, and I continued, and I, and I, and I feel like I'm a, a decent leader, and I take good care of people. And you, I think you'll find most of the people, anybody that ever worked with me, you'll find them that would, you know, they would say, "Yep, no, I, I uh, Flynn always treated you fairly." Um, and all of a sudden, um, we are now starting in on like 2015 timeframe, and I'm getting calls from different candidates for presidency. And one of whom was Donald Trump, and it was the it was early in the primary season. And I actually actually sat down with about I think five total presidential candidates uh, for different conversations, different questions that they would ask. And it was always about always about uh, uh, international relations, uh, strategic issues, the war on drugs, 
uh, the border security, uh, the inner, inner workings of the intelligence community, inner workings of the Defense Department, inner workings of the State Department. I mean, our, how our government, you know, works, because many of these, these people, even, uh, even, even those that were, that were senators, they don't know. They really don't know. And they, and you know, their, yeah. their staffs grant are like, you know, a Senator's staff is maybe a dozen people. You know, I'm talking about, I, I'm, I, I was commanding, you know, 50 people when I was a Lieutenant, you know, I was commanding 20,000 when I was a Lieutenant General. So, and I wow. understand, I understand the government very, very well. And I understand budgets and I understand how, how the, our government, I, I completely understand how the inner workings of our government operates. I was, I, I have been in front of many, many uh, committees in front of Congress. I have been behind closed doors, you know, all those kinds of things. So I had a wealth of, of knowledge. And um, anyway, so yeah, um, let, let me ask you on, on, on that question. Okay. So, so these guys, mm-hmm. I'm guessing the Bush family probably called you. He was running at the time against Trump. Who else was there? Was uh, Mitt, did Mitt Romney run that cycle? Yeah, no, he didn't. And, and the Bushes, Bush did not reach out. It's interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they, okay. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, but, they, you would have thought that they did, but I think that, that, I think that Jeb Bush, I actually think that Jeb Bush uh, felt like he had it locked. I, I felt like he yeah. was like the heir appointed, you know, anointed one. And, uh, and of course he was, he was sorely mistaken. People that reached out was like Ben Carson. Um, okay. Uh, Carly Fiorina, uh, Ted Cruz, of course, Trump. And uh, I'm trying to think there was another one. The, the, uh, I just lost his, his name, the governor up there. And, uh, uh, Chrissy. Chris. Uh, no, not Chrissy. No. Not Chrissy. Up in uh, uh, Minnesota, I think. Um, not Minnesota. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Scott Walker. There you go. Yeah. So, so, so are they meeting with you, Mike, to get cred, to get intel to to make yeah, themselves to beef up their resume and then no, who's paying no, for these meetings like like who's oh, funding are. this activity oh that's it's it's just part of their campaign you know they would they would bring together a, a group of people and they'd invite me in to to have a q a kind of like what we're doing now but in a much more detailed you know way in terms of uh specific questions about specific issues and and uh you know I wasn't getting paid anything. I didn't get, I didn't take a dime for any of that. I was just trying to help people who wanted help and were asking me during that entire time though, especially early on in 2015 or, you know, from the summer of 2015 through probably the early part, I was in uh, weekly uh, contact with Trump and uh, Trump's team at that time, answering a lot of questions because he was, he was one of the, probably the, the most, uh, most inquisitive of all of them. Some of them, that I talked to, uh, you know, you'd get the sense that, you know, we're, they were just sort of going through sort of pro forma. And, and as the primaries went on, obviously they, they started to fall to the wayside, but I, I always felt like the connection that I, cause I, so I, I guess my point is, is that the connection that I had with Trump was really strong. The ones, the, the connection that I had with the others, not so much because they were very, very political. These were political people from mm. from the political world and and I think you know I, and I'm not I'm not like that I'm not a I'm not a good political person you know I'm I'm like you know I'm I'm brass tacks you know you're going to you're going to uh, get from me what what you see and uh and that's why I think Trump and I connected so well and and we ended up so I ended up you know really uh you know riding with him and one of the things that I because I mentioned that uh, about my political affiliation right i was a i was a registered democrat 
it really meant you know, meant really nothing to me because uh, because I believe in this country so much. But I I uh, when when Trump was narrowing down the field for vice president in June of 2016, uh, I was in one of the final four candidates, and they went through a vetting process and. And, uh, you know, the other the other three were uh, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, uh, Newt Gingrich and myself. And, you know, what's funny, the long haul is, is I so I'm the I'm the registered. Now, that, that, that's the for time. the position. That's for what position? That's... Vice president of the United States. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah. So that was and, I, and, and he didn't make that decision until until after the Fourth of July weekend. He actually didn't make that decision until about four or five days before the Republican convention. So for about a month, we were being touted as potential vice presidential running mates. I was among them, but I was a, but, you know, then started bubbling up, you know, he's a registered Democrat. He's a Democrat. There's, you know, the Republican party, Republican party, they basically, they really talk about a uniparty. They, they, uh, many in that, in that camp, they, they could not stand me because again, I, I was close to Trump. I, was not a Republican. Again, the affiliation aside didn't really matter to me. But of all the four people and those names I just mentioned that have not uh, that did not turn on that guy is is the you know is the one guy that was the registered Democrat, right? I mean, and it's not so wow. much turning. Yeah, all the other three have been horrific, and you know, and I'm a big fan of Newt. Um, I like Newt. I've been in touch with Newt recently. Uh, I think he's brilliant. Um, but I, but I, you know, at, at, at the, at a, at the time that it mattered, um, you know, people like in his case, I think he started to second guess, you know, everything going on because people started to believe the bullshit, excuse my Irish people started to believe the bullshit that was going on with the Russia stuff. I mean, God, even today, look at what we learned from Twitter file dumps, right? The Russia gate stuff that's coming out. It's just outrageous. So um, so I rode with Trump all the way through the, uh, the campaign, the convention, the, you know, the, the, the debates, all the debates, I was in, in the room prepping him, helping him to prep for the debates. Uh, we attended all the debates. I attended damn near every rally that he went up. I would I would introduce him at all the rallies. And then, of course, he won. And when he won, you know, all hell broke loose. And yeah, Mike, the, uh, Mike, hang on, hang on, yeah. Mike, because you got to walk me through what's going on. You're on the inside now. Like you, you the first time and I'm sorry to interrupt you with with all respect, but but. You you meet Trump the first time. Like, what was that like? What happened? Is he standing up, patting you on the back like he does? You know, uh, ma- making yeah, you feel no, all good, no, warm, went, and comfortable, or what? No, no, <laughs> no. I went up to Trump Tower. At, back they, they <laughs> uh, I got a call. I got a call about I don't know a day or two prior. Hey, uh, can you come down? And I was up in Rhode Island, actually. And uh, can you come down and meet with Mr. Trump on, uh, you know, blah, blah, whatever the date was. It was like August 2015. And I said, sure. And so I went down to New York City, went to Trump Tower, went up to his office. And uh, and I was told, you know, he wants to meet for, you know, maybe he maybe has 15 minutes, 30 minutes. And I said, OK. And I, I you know, and I had just I had just uh, done a, a open hearing to uh, to the House. Okay, the House of Representatives, it was a committee on the Iranian nuclear deal about a month prior, and, and Trump had seen that. And I, I didn't know that until I went into the meeting. So when I went in, it was just he and I in his office, you know, and he's sitting at his big desk. I'm sitting there. We shook hands and how you doing? And that, you know, kind of a, a quick get to know you. 
And then uh, we started to talk. And that's when right away I knew this guy was deadly serious about where he was at. And this was this was not that long after he came down the escalator. You know, when people were talking at that time, this guy was a joke. This guy was deadly serious from the beginning. And he started to walk around the world, a world that I knew very, very well in, in, in fair detail. And, uh, and, it, and, and it like, you know, I just felt like I felt very uh, at ease and very comfortable talking with him about the entirety of the geo of the global geostrategic, you know, geopolitical situation that we were dealing with and that he was going to have to deal with if he were to become the president of the United States. So that 15 minutes that I was told I was going to get turned into about two hours. And after a couple hours, he, he goes, Hey, before you get out of here, let me introduce you to someone. And he, he, you know, got on the phone, he called up whoever. And, uh, and the next few minutes, Eric Trump showed up and I had a great chance to meet Eric who I've stayed in touch with. And I'll see him actually next week. Uh, and Eric Trump is just one of the most phenomenal young men I've ever met. And that was a nice that was a nice thing that I thought that Trump did at that time, uh, because, again, we we were only supposed to have 15 minutes and we ended up a couple of hours together. And we uh, we talked about damn near everything. And uh, that's the moment that I knew this is the guy that uh, this country needs because wow. he he was talking to me, you know, like in, when I talk to when I talk to uh, leaders you know, and I've met a lot of good ones and I've met a lot of really crappy ones. And I knew, I knew right then and there that I met one, a person who was really a solid, strong leader and also somebody who had a grasp of the, uh, the situation in this country uh, that that, you know, I just found I found, uh, you know, you know, just awesome. And I, I just I found it refreshing. I'm, I'm listening to somebody who, you know, wasn't looking down his nose at me. Right. I mean, because you can tell that, you know that, Grant, you know, you meet somebody and especially some of these political people that that uh, that think they're, you know, they 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 got it because they're political. Right. They are. They've been in politics their whole life. and Everybody's been kissing their rear end. And, and you know, and, and when I when I deal with people, I don't I don't allow that to myself because I'm not that type of person. And I don't ever do that to anybody. And Trump didn't do that to me. And uh, and I it wasn't because he was trying not to. It's because that's the way he is. He's just a he's just a decent yeah, down to yeah. earth person. Yeah, and that's what I meant by him, you know, because I, I I've been with him, and, and he's just a very comfortable guy. Like he makes you yeah. feel comfortable. And so when he started telling you, walking you around the world, as you described that, it, it, were you? I think most of this room would be amazed or shocked, slightly shocked at least, to think that he had acumen about what was going on around the world in these other countries. Yeah, so we we talked about, and I just give you a, you know a, sort of a nickel tour, but uh, you know we first started talking about Iran or and Iraq and Afghanistan, and of course that that uh, mess uh, at the time that's 2015, summer of 2015, you know, and uh, it, and, it, and it wasn't it wasn't you know we weren't wasn't going great then, but um, anyway, and then we and then we got into. Uh, we got into China, we got into Russia, we got into uh, NATO, we got into the entirety of NATO, we got into South America and the uh, and the you know what, all of what's going on in South America and Central America. We got into the war on drugs, we got into the drug cartels, we got into the Asia Pacific theater, and he was very tuned into the Asia, you know, what was going on in Korea, Japan, Australia, Indonesia, Southeast Asia. 
we got we had a long talk about uh, the relationships between uh, between India and Pakistan, or the or the lack of those, those relationships, and of course India and China. I mean that, that was the it was it was a breathtaking uh, walk around the world, and in some cases fair detail, and in also some cases you know knowledge of of someone of who were some of the people that were uh, also in play. Like he knew some of these people, he knew some of these leaders because he had done it. You know, he's an international businessman, right? I mean, you know, it's all, all the different aspects of, uh, of uh, the Trump international and all the things he was involved in. And at that time, when we first met, you know, I, I, I had done a, some study of him prior to going down there, but I didn't really understand the full breadth of, uh, of the, of the Trump organization, even, um, even at that moment, I mean, I, I thought I did, but, but I really didn't because I, you know, it's not, wasn't something that was my purview. My purview was really the, the strategic situation and issues in play that affected this country, affected the United States of America and what risks were out there that we were still taking. And we, you know, we talked about economics, we talked about politics, we talked about financial systems, we talked about uh, militaries of the world. We talked about alliances and, and partnerships and relationships, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I just I just found it refreshing. I was like, wow, man, I, you know, I felt like I was talking to another uh, fellow uh, senior leader in the military who, you know, who, uh, you know, a couple that come to mind that could have those kinds of conversations. And that's and Trump was able to do that, you know, and uh, and it, to me, it just showed me that he has really. Number one, he took he took very serious what he was contemplating doing, which was he'd already announced running for president of the United States. And number two, he really uh, had a uh, a breadth of knowledge of what was going on in the world. Just extraordinary. At that point, Mike, what you know, the world was completely laughing at him as a as a joke running. What what kind of chances did you give him? And then the night that he was elected. Where were you and what was that like? Yeah, the night, so the night that, uh, well, number one, the chances were very high because when, when. Uh, you, you thought he, you thought he had a high chance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think from the beginning because the, you know, my, my, uh, my intuition or, or sense of where the American people were. And I think that's why I got involved in, in the political landscape, because, I, you know, I really do. I can't stand the political system, you know, uh, or the, the politics as we have right now. I mean, I love our, our system of government, our Constitution and our republic. But, God, the poli- politicians and the politics that we have is just so ugly. But, but Trump didn't have any of that. He, he was like this fresh upstart who was brilliant and tough as nails, you know, that sort of New York toughness and he was going to take you know sort of no holds barred uh, campaign and uh, not and not uh, you know he wasn't going to let anybody knock him down and uh, certainly if he did if he got knocked down he's going to get right back up in your face so that that was refreshing and I think the American people you know they they uh, they resounded they they really really appreciated that because all the other people were all these polished politicians who were, you know, who felt like they were the anointed ones because, you know, they had been in politics their whole lives and never, never had to sign a paycheck for anybody, right? I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple, Grant. The, the, um, I, I think that uh, as things went on, 
you know, as we, as we, you know, progress through the campaign, I think what we really began to learn was that the, um, you know, sort of the, you know, w- once all the, once all the, the Republican party was out of the way and it was really just, you know, now it's, now it's, you know, let's fight, uh, you know, the, the Hillary campaign and God, what we've learned about that. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. I, I mean, as bad as I, as, as bad as I knew what was happening then, I didn't realize it was this bad, um, you know, and, and until the last couple of years, obviously, that things have come to come to light. But uh, I, I think for for Trump, Trump is one of those is one of those unique historic figures. And we were lucky to to have that person show up in the country's life uh, at the time that he did. And uh, and frankly, you know, we can talk about the elections if you want, because I, I do think that 2020 election was was filled with fraud. It's 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 a grotesque abuse of our election system. People can say what they want, but, you know, they, and they can, you know, they can call me names if they want. But but uh, we're, we're in a place right now as we go forward, as we think about what's going to happen next. We're in a we're sort of in a moment of uh, I mean, I've, I've stayed I think I've stated this publicly if not, you know, I'll say it here. I mean, we're we're kind of in a moment of peril right now, Grant. And uh, yeah, and I think I think people should not uh, look at this. No one should look at this as politics as usual, you know. And I hope that this this you know, it's the first time I've done one of these things on Twitter like this. And I, I actually, I think it's great. I think it's a superb tool, uh, and I appreciate what you. What a great what thing. a great platform for for oh this God. side that people yeah. that want the truth. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and, yeah. and General Flynn, this is Elena Cardone. I'm, I'm Grant Cardone's wife. I want to thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated listening to you. And you've mentioned several things tonight about, wow, the extensiveness of your knowledge and experience on what goes on in the world is, is very clear. And I, I, I'm curious um, we talked about, or I heard you mention about the, the Twitter files and, and the releasing of that information. And I, I, my question to you is, is what do you think about the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI on citizens? And did you ever think something like that could even happen? And then I'd love to hear how how the, how that actually turned on you and how how your life has been affected because of it yeah so um so i i believe because i'm a, i am a, a student of history and i studied our own history i've studied world history and uh and and the situation that we face right now this rise of tyranny rise of a of an oligarchy uh our founders always warned us about that and, and there's many, many quotes, as many writings from our from the founders of this country, where they warned us about this sort of rise of of uh, of you know and, and this infusion of or, or growth of a federal government and overreach of the of the federal government itself into the lives of everyday citizens. And and so yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not surprised that we have have uh, gotten to this point. Uh, it, it was it was very predictable and very predicted even you know a couple hundred years ago when our country was was being being founded but i i think that you know the one of the real issues in this country and it goes back to the beginning of our country one of the things that we've always been proud of most proud of in the you know among nations 
is our rule of law, right? And our, and our ability to, uh, to hold people fairly uh, accountable for their actions. And, and um, one of the, or two things, two things that our founders always harped on, if you ever read the Federalist Papers or you read their, their diaries and their notes and the kinds of things that they wrote, the books that they wrote and the speeches that they gave, they always really, t- two big themes come out. And one of them is courage. And the second thing is accountability. And they, they clearly, the, the founders, the, the, the signers, they clearly demonstrated extraordinary, enormous courage. And they always held themselves accountable first. And they, you know, they, they demonstrated accountability in others you know, next. And, and they were masters of it. And that, that sort of DNA, what's in the DNA of every American, that's been carried forward. You know, on the battlefield, Elena, on the battlefield, it's not the person who you think is going to be the hero. It's always the, the least likely person who is the hero. And that's because in the DNA of every single American, we do have a, a fearlessness about who we are and, and uh, what we are willing to do for our families and for our country. And at the same time, we also want people to be held accountable for their actions. I mean, if somebody you know, breaks into your home, somebody does something to you, you want them to be held accountable. Well, right now, there are clearly two standards. I mean, look at this. Look at how we're talking about the classified information discovered in, you know, top secret classified information discovered in Joe Biden's garage. And, you know, and he and, and his, what's his answer? Well, well, the, my garage door was locked. I mean, same yeah. place I keep my Corvette. Yeah, same place I keep my Corvette. It's so ridiculous, you know. So it, it's 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 ridiculous, but it's dangerous. And so, the one thing that we all uh, have learned about from the time we were kids was something called the rule of law, and and uh, that means that you know if something happens, the cops are going to show up, and they're going to and, and we're going to respect the police, and we're going to we're going to uh, you know we're going to help them if we need to help them. We're going to get out of the way if we need to get out of the way, and and also the accountability of our judicial system or our justice system. And we just don't feel that way. I don't feel, I mean, you're talking to a guy who deeply, deeply understands our, uh, our system of government, our constitution, our bill of rights, our, our declaration of independence, and many, many of our civil and criminal uh, 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 um, aspects of our justice system. I mean, I, I joke to a degree, but a bit tongue in cheek, that, you know, from what I just went through over the last five or six years and still am in the middle of it, that I, I should get, a, a, you know, an honorary law degree because I, I have had to write my own cases and, and argue my own cases and and uh, and be part of that. Right. And I and I think that we feel now in our country that our justice system is just not it's not justice. It's just us. J.U.S.T.U.S. And that means it's just them. It's mm. it's it's the it's the Department of Just Us. When the Department of Justice has a conviction rate of 95%, it's actually higher than that. It's probably closer to 97%, but it's, let's just say it's 95% because it's definitely 95%. The conviction rate of the Department of Justice is 95%. Why? And that's because what they do is they whittle it down to where, you know, they, they basically put, the, put extraordinary resources and extraordinary pressure on you. Right. And then they, then they whittle it down and they say, Okay, if you do this, we're gonna we'll do this for you. But you're gonna you're gonna plead guilty. Otherwise, we're gonna withhold information. Okay, and one of the things, and I'm gonna be posting it here on uh, on Twitter pretty soon because there's a lot of 
there's a lot of haters on on Twitter, and that's okay. I mean, I don't mind. I'm, I'll take a question or two, maybe from some of them. But you know, what I tell people is, from in my specific case, read read the the uh, the dismissal filing from the Department of Justice, which was uh, May of 2020. That in that filing, uh, it it basically says. We that General Flynn didn't commit a crime. We actually committed a crime against him. And even though, they, even though they don't say they're sorry, they, you know, in their way, they say, so, uh, you know, based on that, uh, we're we're withdrawing this because they were embarrassed after a six month special counsel investigation of my case, which I was not aware of. And, and neither when my lawyer, Sidney Powell at the time, we were not aware that there was a special counsel appointed by the, the attorney general, and for six months, they were in the weeds of everything going on in my case, and they realized that, number one, the FBI, okay, the FBI and the most senior levels of the FBI and and uh, and the Washington, D.C. attorney general's office were lying. They were lying to the court, in this case, the, the judge. They were lying up to my lawyers. They were uh, They were withholding evidence. And they knew that they had evidence that had been that had been uh, changed, right? The the uh, the infamous 302, right? My infamous 302, where the FBI said I was lying. That that actually that document was changed. Okay, they changed it. I mean, and they got and they and they, now, they Mike, caught. Yeah, Mike. So everybody's catching up with where you're at and you're in this story right now. This is yeah. you've left the Trump administration now, right? Right. You're being investigated for what? Well, the they they started with uh, something called FARA, which is Foreign Agency Registration Act for, um, you know, in, in in this case, you know, talking about uh, business dealings that that we were supposedly involved in, and that that never came. That uh, there was no evidence of that, none. And uh, and then they said, well, I lied to the FBI, and you know, and, and at that time, you know, those are those are. Uh, when you're in that situation, they were telling me this is at the beginning of the Mueller investigation, uh, real, really the, t- the the very beginning of it. So what I was looking at, and I don't know, I don't think Rogers on the on the horn anymore, but it's kind of like the, the sort of the same situation that he he went into. I was looking at a a grand jury in Washington D.C. that you know 99% of the people in in the 10 in in Washington DC and the 10 counties surrounding Washington voted for Hillary Clinton okay so i'm looking at a jury in uh in Washington DC uh and a media that was incredibly harsh and uh and and i'm looking at information that my lawyers at the time the lousy lawyers that i had at the time but were very expensive um Telling me, well, you're going to have to do this because you know there's no way in the world that the, you know, the FBI would ever do this. There's no way in the world that the DOJ would ever they would ever lie to us. And I said, they're they are. They're not. You know, ask them for the evidence. Ask them, and they, and 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 we we never got there. We never got there. So I had to make a very very difficult decision, and it was like being on the battlefield. It was like you know you're you're on the battlefield. You feel like you know there's times when you feel like. You know, okay, this is not going the way you want it to go, so you've got to start to really think about how do you how do you outmaneuver what it is that you are about to uh, endeavor to decide. And I was with my wife and I, and and I, 
you know, one of the things um, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you and your wife being on this. I, my wife and I, we've been together since we were 13 years old. And, uh, you know, so. Wow. There's, so there's nothing. Wow. There's, and, that, and, you know, when people talk about Mike Flynn, all this bullshit, you know, the, the uh, you don't you don't stay with somebody that long and have that kind of loyalty and that kind of relationship unless you're solid. You know, both her and uh, and I were lucky. We're very, very blessed to be uh, in the relationship that we have. So my wife and I made a very difficult decision and we felt, you know, it's one of those things where you pray over it and it was the right decision. Uh, and it obviously turned out to be the right decision. You know, you you're there's you know, there's risks and gambles. Right. And, uh, and and risks you can you can overcome gambles or something where, you know, if you if you gamble and you and you're, it's not right and it's not something you can overcome. So I, so we took a huge risk. We took it together and we understood the uh, the, the potential consequences. Because if I if we hadn't gone that route uh, in that early days of the Mueller investigation, I was probably looking at going to prison for something that I didn't do. And like I said, early on in this conversation, uh, they they had they had uh, they were there was an investigation on me, which I I was not aware of. Uh, They did not find not even an unpaid parking ticket on me because that's been that's just the way I am. Uh, I'm very particular about, you know. Uh, if I, if I, you know, go through a red light and get stopped, I mean, if I got a ticket, I'm going to pay it. Right. I'm going to pay my bills. I got great credit. Right. I mean, cause I, I, I work my tail off to, to do the things cause I was taught right by my parents. So all that said, um, we made that decision. It was a very, very difficult decision. And then it went on for the next couple of years, but we were, you know, in, inside now I'm inside of the just us department. And I'm inside of the Mueller investigation, and I'm like, wow. And uh, and so I started to realize then not only how how corrupt uh, our system of justice is, but how evil, just pure evil. Uh, these are godless, soulless people, and uh, they're dark spirits. And, uh, you know, and I'm one of these people that very, mm. I'm very, I'm very intimate with my religion and very intimate with my relationship with God. Um, but I have, I have found that I need to speak more about it because, uh, because that's what we're part of what we're facing is a real spiritual battle. You know, and again, I, you know, I, I you know, talk political for a second here. Most of the people, and I bet you, you know, I bet you if I asked a, a, a true or false question on this, on this, I don't even know how many people we get on, but if I ask a true or false question. We've got about 3,500 people in here, and what I'll do is I'll put a poll up, and we'll find out how the audience rates it. Yeah, well, I mean, what's your question? Well, the question is, you know, I mean, everybody would, because they're aware of the direction I'm talking. I mean, the, the and I'll just say it, the, the Democratic Party under Barack Obama in 2012, 2012, prior to going into the convention, you, 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 uh, you write down a platform. These are the issues that, my administration is going to adhere to, and these are the policies that we're going to create. Well, one of the things that they did in the Democratic Party platform of 2012 under Barack Obama was they removed God from the platform, and, and which means that they, they are going to remove God from all policies, all actions, all activities of the administration if they were to win. And, of course, he won four more years. So, I mean, I, you know, we don't need to have a true or false test on it, but most people don't know that. Democrat, a lot of Democrats don't know that. I didn't know that at the time. I, I, I did not know that. I learned about it later on. And when I did, I was like, holy crap. I mean, 
you know, and my my uh, my mother was deceased at the time, but my mother was a was a huge and we were and we were Democrats. Uh, my mother was a huge right to life. In fact, she was the president of the Right to Life Association for a number of years. You know, as a Democrat. So right, I mean now, so something went wrong with that with that side of the aisle, so to speak, and uh, because people that are Democrats and they're and, but they're not progressive socialists, which is really a, a growing uh, commodity inside of the the left side of our political aisle, because I, I really find hard to, to to say that there's a Democratic Party anymore. I don't, it's not a the people that are Democrats that still vote you know, for Democrats. I, I think that they don't truly understand who they're voting for sometimes, because a lot of these people that are that are starting to grow up in the in the political uh, aspect of that of that party, they're not Democrats anymore. They're socialists, and many of them are Marxists. In fact, there's a couple of card-carrying Marxists inside of the U.S. House of Representatives and, and inside of the Senate today. So, Marxism, socialism, communism has been creeping into the United States, the, the fabric of the United States government, and the uh, in our academic institutions, in our businesses, in our business institutions. In every walk of life in this country for decades, for decades, it just it wasn't overnight because Donald Trump got elected president. That's what the that's what the propaganda, the narrative, you know, this this, uh, you know, I will maybe you'll talk a little bit later about this book, the fifth generation warfare. I mean, the war of narratives, the media makes you think like that Trump caused all this. I mean, we have such a level of deep infiltration into every system, every institution uh, in our country, particularly in our government. Um, and and uh, that's a danger. It's a danger. Talk about a danger to democracy. You know, you get all the talking heads and all the mainstream media pundits all, you know, when they do those those uh, Hollywood squares things where they everybody says the exact same thing. Danger. This is a danger. Trump is a danger to democracy. They're a danger to democracy because they spew, they spew a talking point that is total, that it's a total fake lie and it's meant to deceive. It's actually meant to propagandize. And and if you say it long, you know, if you say it enough, if you say a lie enough, right. people will begin to believe it. I mean, that's a that's a that's a Joseph Goebbels technique uh, in the you know in the Third Reich. So um, so anyway, we we are in a we're in a different place today in this country. Please. Well, yeah. so so how do you reverse it? How if you were going to give somebody advice today? How do we get the DOJ, the FBI, all these government agencies pure again, or or if it ever even was pure I, to begin with? I don't know, but how do you clean it up at this point? Yeah, well, you know what's interesting is uh, not too long ago on Tucker Carlson, who's a who's I, I consider a friend, uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, broke the story that we all sort of always, those of us that have ever followed it, and Roger Stone's written a good book, a terrific book about the assassination of JFK, you know, where Tucker broke the story where the CIA was involved in the, in the assassination of a president of the United States. So when we talk about how long has this been going on, um, you know, there's a, there are uh, a lot of examples going way back and, um, there's even a story about about um, Robert Kennedy, uh, run, you know, the, who was the attorney general for his brother, John F. Kennedy, 
uh, one of the reasons why he was assassinated, one of the one of the uh, scenarios he was assassinated was because he was going to follow up on his brother uh, John's uh, uh, desire to basically break apart this security state apparatus that existed because JFK was one of the ones that went after the CIA. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we so we've the point is, is we've had these issues for a long, long time, you know. But but what has changed, what has changed is, and it really was a big change in the in the post-Cold War, you know, West versus Warsaw Pact, uh, you know, uh, a competition and, and competitive environment in the globe at that time. And, you know, for 40 years up until the, the you know, the war ended, the Cold War ended, um, as we set, entered into the 90s and then into the early part of the of this beginning of this century, we started to see the rise of China and China really made a, made a, a big effort to, um, to basically uh, over, overtake our government, learn everything about us, every single thing. I mean, everything, steal us blind, steal everything that they can. And that's every, everything that we've ever designed, you know, even, even ideas about movies. I mean, it goes, it's every, every institution, and the Chinese have been masterful at it, and we've allowed it. In fact, some of our some parts of our government over time have opened up the you know the the quote unquote the kimono to uh, to expose ourselves to China, thinking that maybe they'll become our friends. I mean, and that, and that actually goes back to even Henry Kissinger, who was a you know a, a predecessor of mine as a national security advisor and other other national security advisors. So these are people that were you know big ticket people. You know, and I mentioned a few from a pre- from presidents to national security advisors to, you know, to others that that thought that, well, if we just embrace them, they'll be like us. Well, that, that's not going to happen. And it didn't happen. So the, so the bigger question is, can it be fixed? Well, I'll tell you what, I had great hopes for Donald Trump. And um, and I really do feel and I'll, I'll say it here that as the national security advisor for him. For a period of time, one of the things I tell people, had I stayed on, had, had it not transpired like the way it did, and I, you know, and I, I, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about the specifics of that, but had it not transpired the way it did, there would have been no Mueller investigation. Had I stayed on as an ask your advisor, think about that. I mean, the Mueller investigation tore this country apart for years. But I, had I been the national security advisor, there'd have been no Mueller investigation because none of that FISA nonsense would have happened because all that comes through the national security advisor's desk comes across the desk of, of would have would have come oh, across wow. my, my desk. So so, so, so the Mueller. Not, hold on, Elena. Hold on. Yeah, I'm sorry, sweetie. Okay. So you're saying the the Mueller investigation for it to work had to go across the desk that you previously held. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. To even. To even be stood up, to even be stood up, I'd have, I'd have never, I'd have, I'd have jumped dead in that in their stuff to, and said, this is no way in the world we need. It, it, it would have never gotten to that. See, they had to get rid of a couple of people, maybe a number, you know, numero uno. There's a very famous, and I'm, I'm going to post this on Twitter because people, you know, there's, again, the haters out there that just go treason, treason, Russia, you know. Um, there's a very famous 302, which is essentially an affidavit or a deposition done by the lead FBI investigator for Crossfire Hurricane, which was the, which was the name of, the, of the, uh, the entire Russian investigation, Crossfire Hurricane. So the lead agent's name was Barnett, Agent Barnett. I met with him many times, and I, I know who he is. And, um, 
And at the end, under the special counsel that investigated me, after my case was dismissed, they then, this, the, the special counsel, his name was Jensen, was uh, started, he continued his investigation. He was reporting into Durham. And one of the guys he sat down with, finally, was this lead agent. And the lead agent, Barnett, in about a nine-page deposition, a nine-page 302, and it's public. It's online. You can go find it. Uh, it's been put on Twitter all over the place. I'll post it. I'll post it certainly tomorrow. Um, uh, in it, he basically says the entirety of Crossfire Hurricane was get Flynn to get Trump. Now, and, I mean, it almost verbatim says that. And you kind of just, you know, when I when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, these guys were really Talk about deviants and devious people, and uh, and this was a this was a very senior FBI agent, and uh, and you know he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life because, you know, for an FBI agent to have to, to have to need lawyers by his side to write a, uh, his deposition and then to write what he wrote is extraordinary. It is it is absolutely mind blowing uh, that particular three hundred two and um, and it's worth and it, so that was issued. In October of 2020, a month before the election, so the so the entire thing right there in that one deposition, in that one 302, really blew apart the entire Russia Gate thing. I mean, you know, this was even before Hunter Biden's laptop and all that kind of stuff was, you know, should have been exposed as well. And the media didn't didn't touch it. The media would not talk about it whatsoever. And and I just look at all this stuff and I say to myself, man. Because the, the real question that you asked, Elena, was, can this be fixed? I actually do think it can be fixed. And I, I, uh, I wrote an article the other day, um, really pointed to, the, to this new, whatever they're going to call it, this House uh, subcommittee on the weaponization of government. And I do think that the House of Representatives is a good place to start because we're here, right? The reality is we're here. We can't wish that Donald Trump was the president. We can't wish that we had whatever we, you know, we had better governors. We can't wish that. We got we to gotta deal with the reality that's in our face. And so the House right now can really, really uh, expose quite a bit of all of this and should. Mm. And uh, I honestly think that what Elon Musk has done with Twitter, and we're going to see more and more. I mean, I know people right now that are, that, are in the, that are in the weeds of all of the dumps that have already been made, all the Twitter dumps that have already been made, never mind the great reporting by the, by the journalists who have been reporting it. Um, but there are, there are other investigative journalists that are now taking the Russiagate stuff, the COVID stuff, the Fauci stuff, everything. And they're now going back in time. And, and a lot of that, a lot of that information is going to be put together. And, and I know uh, we're going to do our damnedest to hand it off to this subcommittee because the, the subcommittee needs to have a, a set of, you know what, and they need to go after, and I mean hard after, the truth, because the one thing that that, uh, you know, if and, and I always screw up scripture and all that, and that's all I won't try to I won't try to, you know, get it right. But I, what I, one of the things I know about about love and about joy and about faith is is it, it all it all exists if there's truth. And, Facts. and 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 I, I believe that there and there's a lot of truth coming out right now. And uh, uh, and, you know, the, I mean, the whole classified nonsense that we're talking about right with Biden and, and, yeah. and, and you know, th there's going to be some consequences from that. But um, but truth, the truth will always come and always rise. 
But one of the things I think, Grant, this is really uh, a, a, a nod to you and to people like you, you know, and I was out, I do a lot of swimming now, you know, to, to, to work out and to kind of clear my mind because when you're in, a, when you're in the water, uh, you know, you, you, you got to be focused, right? So, and I've started thinking about what, what is it that we need? And, you know, and I, the, the, the political people in our country that have, that have risen up in politics from the time they were, you know, interns at some political office, we actually, they're not working. That, that's that way of, of, uh, right. of, of, uh, of class development is not working. And our founders never wanted a political class anyways. What we need is we need we need leaders. We need warrior leaders and we need people from the business community. We need people from the military. We need you know, we need leaders. We need such strong leadership in this country because, Elena, to really get to the to the essence of your question, can this be fixed? And my my absolute belief is, yes, it can. It, but I will. But not with the group that we have right now. So we have got mm-hmm. to figure out. And this is why I, I, I've tried to sort of coin the phrase local action equals a national impact. One, yeah. of the beauties, one of the beauties of our founders is that they created this country from the bottom up, right? They created this country from the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for individuals, not for the federal government, not for even states' rights. They started with us, the individuals, and they gave us all these beautiful you know, sort of, I call them the Ten Commandments, right? Our Bill of Rights. They gave them to us, and they said, you know, protect them. And and we, we've squandered them. We've been apathetic. We've been lazy, uh, and we've allowed a political class to just overtake uh, everything in our country. And and it and we just we have to stop that. So, yeah. But, but it's only going to stop with leadership, and I mean and, extraordinary and leaders. My, yeah. Go ahead. And I think this is going to be a great place to start. Like, uh, you know citizens getting together like this and, and having conversations from yeah. their homes. This has never existed before. Uh, so, so this could be a place. I love to this. No, I mean, yeah. I, I think that this is great. I mean, it, you know, and, and, and I, cause I didn't even know this existed and you know, yeah. maybe because I've been off of Twitter, but, but this is a great way to just say, Hey, pop up. There's a huge, you know, something right. going on. Come on Count. and join, you know? Yeah, it's a conversation. So, look, we got a lot of hands up. Guys, the the name of the book is Fifth Generation Warfare. I put a link above. Grab a copy of Mike's book if you're uh, enjoying the conversation. Uh, We got a couple of polls. 96% of the people find this conversation amazing, by the way. Uh, Or is it 94? It's 94. You lost a couple points there, Mike. Um, (laughs) So there's 6% of the people in the room. that they're, They're not digging or vibing on it, but they did take time to stay here, come here, and vote on the poll. So I got a bunch of hands up. A bunch of ladies want to ask you a question, Mike. Um, yep. Anybody uh, want to start? Let's say Mays and then Manda. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. This has been so amazing. Um, I'm over here, like, literally hitting the hundred signs so many times. I'm surprised it's not broken. So um, um, I, I actually really I don't. Does she not want to go? Or I am. I'm speaking. Oh, she probably can't hear me, guys. I can I hear to- you. Oh, you I can? can okay. You. Yep. So, um, what's your name? Uh, oh, this is Maze. Maze okay. Love. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think Elena's question just around that, I, one of the biggest things, um, as a truth seeker that I've been trying to bring to the forefront is kind of the idea of the globalization, um, agenda, the 2030 agenda, the WEF. And, you know, a lot of times in these rooms, um, 
the question comes up, can we fix this or what can we do? And it seems extremely overwhelming, but ultimately with Grant and, you know, people like you and, and, you know, speaking up, just educating people and informing people through our awareness. I think that we're all going to find unique ways within our own life to be able to navigate and make decisions. Right. So I was curious, I have a lot of questions, but I'm going to be good. (laughs) And I'm just going to narrow it down to this one. Um, And you spoke on it a little bit, but I'm curious to know your take on um, what's happening with the world economic forum and the great reset. And how do you see that playing into the future? Um, as as we're moving through uh, the rest of this this decade by 2030. Okay, okay, that great. It's a great question. And uh, for those that don't know, the World Economic Forum actually meets this coming uh, Sunday and uh, all all next week um, in uh, Davos, Switzerland. So they're going to have another big meeting. And and for some reason, Chris Ray, our FBI director, is going there. I have no earthly idea why he needs to be there, but that's a that's a sidebar. But I want people to understand that the World Economic Forum is very, very real. The Great Reset is very real. Uh, Klaus Schwab, who's the, who started the World Economic Forum in 1971, um, is, uh, is, is a read – the, read the Great Reset. I mean, these people are – it's in their own words, so, so don't take my word for it. But Klaus Schwab talks about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is essentially an extension of the Third Reich. And these people have a globalist uh, mentality where, where, like he says, he says, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Those are his words. And they have, they have uh, advisors like this, Yuval Noah Harari, who is a historian, a, uh, a Jewish guy, uh, but he's like a scientific advisor. And he talks about how he, he actually touts, he actually touts people like Hitler and Stalin. Uh, and he, and he talks about how, uh, you know, dictatorships uh, would have been better off if they had had the the uh, the means by which uh, w- that we are seeing globally with uh, vaccination programs and and surveillance. What he, what uh, in his words, surveillance under the skin, in his words. So I'm not, you know, again, don't don't pay, don't listen to what Flynn's saying. Go listen to what these people say in their own words and pay very close attention to this World Economic Forum that's coming up. What what uh, what uh, uh, what is going to happen to this world is we have two things that are going to happen in 2023. We're going to see a massive financial uh, transition of the global economy, and we are going to see a we are going to see a massive health uh, system adjustment. And for mo- for uh, for many on this on this call, uh, what you don't know because it was done in secret, really. But the World Health Organization has, has met this week, and they are they – are, um, tomorrow they finish, uh, and then the World Health Organization director and his minions, his staff minions, are going to go attend the World Economic Forum. But one of the things that they're looking to do is they're, they're looking – in fact, they, they, they have approved themselves. These are unelected you know, thugs. So they have approved themselves to be a – a body, a world body that now can dictate law, okay, and not just be a a, uh, a health organization that provides, you know, guidance and, and direction to health issues around the world. They are now looking to, to be a, a compliance enforcer for health issues globally. 
and so you know there's some great Substack writing uh, and articles about that, and people need to pay attention to that that's going to that's going to be transposed into the World Economic Forum this week. The uh, uh, so, so Mike, who who Mike? I'm sorry again, Grant. Who goes to the World Economic Forum? How do you get an invite to it? How rich do you need to be, or how connected? You you need to be very connected. Uh, you are you are brought up. You know, usually it's. The majority of world leaders in the, uh, you know, I would say in the, in the G20, okay, so the G20 nations, and Klaus Schwab was the keynote speaker in Bali, Indonesia, two months ago at the, at the uh, G20 summit. And uh, so, like, people like uh, uh, Macron, right, president of France, uh, um, you know, the Yardburger up in Canada, uh, Trudeau, he's another member of the World, of the world Economic Forum. Joe Biden is a member, uh, you know, and, and there's, there's, you know, I could go on and on, but it's again, go look at their website, go look up the world economic forum websites for those that are listening here tonight. Just look it up and look at, look at the, look at their board, look at their advisors, look at what they're, what they talk about, what they tout. They used to hide in the, in the dark spaces of, uh, of the, of the sort of the elitists in the world. And now they're no longer doing that. And they haven't been doing that for probably the last, certainly the last couple of years. They've been very public about what their plans are. And like I said, we've got, I think we have two tra- transitions that we're about to uh, experience. One is the financial system and one is the uh, the health system. And um, the other part about this, like there's the BRICS nation, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And the BRICS nations, you know, uh, as a, as a, as a, uh, as an alliance, as an economic alliance, um, they have actually become much stronger. When you start to look at who's buying gold and where is gold being uh, uh, stored by different nations, well, in the past, other nations on the planet would never align themselves with brick with the BRICS because they were, you know, I mean, China was really a third world nation until Barack Obama allowed them into the World Bank uh, during his tenure. They were really a, a third world country economically. But they've been they've been uh, buying and, and uh, storing ungodly amounts of gold. So and that matters. So the BRICS, I want people to understand BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa. And now who are the new alliances, you know, cozying up to them? Saudi Arabia is one. Turkey is another. Uh, and of course, other some of these other, you know, the, the, the sort of the Venezuela, the Iran. Russia, I mean, uh, um, and some of its alliances along its southern tier. I mean, there's there's a lot of countries that are now starting to cozy up to the BRICS because one of the things since World War II that has been the currency of choice uh, globally has been the U.S. dollar. And that is uh, that is really that's at risk. The U.S. dollar yeah. as the as the currency of choice for uh, global trade is at severe risk. And um, and what they what they are going to move towards and and again these are I want people to go read this don't just listen to what I'm telling you go pull up Executive Order one four zero six seven Executive Order this is U S Presidential Executive Order one four zero six seven and it has to do with Central Bank Digital Currency CBDC Central Bank Digital Currency it was signed on the I believe on the eighth of March this past year. It was enacted on the 13th of December last month, and the, and the U.S. government is or, already has uh, some, some uh, actions in play. They have been testing it, 
and it's it's in a lot it's in a lot of ways it's like the Chinese uh, system of the, their monetary system, it, and it's a central bank digital currency. And guess what, folks? And again, don't you know? Go listen to some of these people on the world that are part of the World Economic Forum. Don't listen to me. They talk about so you know what does that look like? You know, is it a paper dollar in your pocket? No. What they'll tell you is that it's a chip under your skin. Okay, and that's been described like that by oh some my God. Very, by some very very serious people, and and uh, you know and so so everything that I'm telling you are things that I have uh, been looking very in, intensely at and studying for the last couple of years, because I think that as a, as Americans, once once a lot of you know people that are sort of true believers, and I, I guess I'm probably in that category. You know, but I think people that are like over there on the on the on the on one side of the aisle, they kind of go, ah, this is all bullshit. Flynn's full of it. You know, he's a conspiracy theorist, you know, blah, blah, blah. All, all the labeling, you know, again, that's fine. Don't believe me. Go do your own research, but you better do it and you better be ready because it's coming. And uh, how, we, how, we, how do you yeah. think they're going to sell it? How are they going to sell the chip? Like we all have to get the chip because it seems like the covid was a, just a big Petri dish experience uh experiment to see how far they could go and it seemed like they could go pretty far yeah the vaccine the vaccine as far as i'm concerned it's like a murder weapon and it's so sad i feel so sad for people who felt they needed to take it because some some influencer on tv said oh i'm taking it so you got to take it or or the government you know forced or jobs forced people out of their jobs to take it and i feel sad that people had to take it i have people in my family that did it um and you know so it's not like you know, so we are all affected by it. Um, so how does it how does it work? How, you know, how is they how are they going to make it work? Well, when you start talking about uh, you know corporations and businesses that have what's what's called an ESG score. You know, I'm trying to watch all the the, the people that that are that are you know tapping their things about ESG score. Most people don't know what that is. It's environmental, social, and governmental score. So that means you have to meet a certain set of conditions. Otherwise, you're going to have an unfavorable score. And you may not, you may get, you know, penalized by our own government. So that's also the same thing with, with um, individuals, because we're going to be given something called a carbon footprint. And go back and read Executive Order One Four Zero Six Seven. Read it and uh, and study it and understand what it means. So if we have a carbon footprint, if I have a carbon footprint, what does that mean? That means that that the government says to me, well, you know what, you've had your fall, your, your fill of gasoline this month so when you go to fill your truck up or you go to fill your 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 car up you're not gonna your your card is not gonna work uh you've had your fill of milk and bread you know this month i mean this is this is the sort of the direction that they are going to be able to control so if the government is going to going to decide on your carbon footprint is having an effect on this on this this idiotic climate change nonsense that we are that we get shoved down our throats and they're spending billions and billions of our hard-earned dollars on um you know and we're and we're dictated to us who as to where we can spend our money where i can drive can i drive more than five miles outside of my community can i drive to the next state you know will states stop me will will some states that are going to say, well, you don't have your vaccine identification card, which is a World Health Organization rule that came out of the G20. So all of the G20 
not, you know, which Klaus Schwab spoke to back in Bali, they all approved, they all signed off on a, on a global vaccination card. So what the hell does that mean? And how are they going to, is that a, is that a plastic card or is it, is, is it like Harari says surveillance under the skin? And so anyway, there, these are the things that these people are talking about and they're moving very, very rapidly to get us there. And the people that are involved in this world economic forum, they are the leaders of our nations right now. And they're, and their cabinets, people and their members of their cabinets, members of their of the, you know their ministers, are members of the World Economic Forum. Remember, the World Economic Forum had, was started in 1971, so it did, they didn't just start because of Trump. Okay, I want everybody to get out of their head that that the world is a problem because of because the media has said Trump is the problem. That's bullshit, and that's what's got to stop in this country because you know if you start to allow yourself to be labeled, then you may as well stay at home. Don't allow anybody to define who you are. You define yourself. And and for this World Economic Forum, I would love, I would love to be face to face with Klaus Schwab, and and you know, and tell him, you know, where to go because this guy, if you listen to him, and I've listened to him quite a bit, I've listened to many of his speeches, I've read many of the things that he's written, and this is a this is a guy who totally believes in the fourth industrial revolution, which I. And uh, I don't say tongue in cheek is, a, is an extension of the Third Reich. And this is about global power and taking over the, the global system of government and running it with organizations like the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, the World Health Organization, the United Nations. These are all globalist organizations. And these people feel like they should be in charge of the world and, uh, and running it and so, not and you and I. Mike, how big a threat was Trump to those organizations? You know, huge. I mean, absolutely. He was he was in the way. Trump was in the way. And, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to really look deep. And and the the co- the Twitter covid files uh, that have come out are staggering. It's terrific. It's really great uh, journalistic work. But we knew this before. One of the vaccines, the, the patent was 2015. So how did COVID suddenly pop up in, in January, February of 2020 under the Trump regime when the patent was, was developed and, and given in 2015? That's 2015, okay? And a patent doesn't just pop up over a three-day weekend. A patent takes a lot of time to get to be a patent. So that means that that particular vaccine was in play for a long time. So these people have been at this a long time. COVID COVID was a was a very strategic, uh, uh, it, you know, endeavor uh, to basically do exactly what they did. Because remember, prior to the 2016 election, nobody was talking about mail-in ballots. OK, nobody was talking about mail-in ballots. But the 2020 election and the 2022 election, everybody's talking about mail-in ballots. You know? And why? Because mail-in ballots came into into, you know, the, the fray because of COVID, because, you know, we have to have, we can't yeah. go and vote. We got to have. Yeah. It's not fair. Ballots. It's not fair. Yeah. People need now, to be able to vote. Now, mail-in so, ballots have been around for yeah. a long time though. So wow. the state of the state of Oregon, for example, has had mail-in ballots since like 1998. So there's, there's been these example, these models for the left to be able to see just how much, how much uh, deception and how much corruption, how much theft they can get away with in our elections. And so I want people to understand that these are real things. You know, get out of your head that these are conspiracy theories. 
These are not, and, and, and again, don't believe me. Go do your own research. And that's really what I want people to do because I want people to understand that we are, we are you know, in a moment of peril. And I, and I, I lived, I lived uh, um, Psalm 23, right? Psalm 23 is, you know, and I'll screw it up, but it basically it says, yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of darkness, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. You know, and I, I live that. I mean, I have lived that. I've lived that in, in different moments of my life. And I certainly lived that under the persecution of the gun, guns of the Just Us Department and, and the Mueller investigation and, and a corrupt, a, a, an incredibly corrupt judge. So that's where the country is at. You know, and the country yeah. has to understand that we are we are in that valley right now as a nation. And what we have to believe is we have to believe in each other. OK, because. Believing that, you know, that thou art with me, thou, thou, meaning, you know, in the, in the biblical sense is, is God almighty, but thou is you grant and me and, mm. and, and everybody, mm. and everybody else that's on here. It's at the community level. And thou is me getting involved in my community. That's why I say local action equals a national impact. We are not going to solve the problems in Washington, D.C. until we get our own, our own houses in order in our own communities. I'm a big, big fan of something called the precinct strategy. You know that you know that the Republican Party has over 200,000 unfilled, unfilled volunteer positions. Over 200,000 unfilled. Why? And that's because we have weak leadership running our party. You know, and not, you know the Democrats. I guarantee they don't. They're not unfilled, or they're and they're not volunteer. They pay them. But the but the Republican Party's lack of leadership to drive the local level. Because they've taken it all to the top, right? And they love to raise money and they're really good at it and they don't do anything with it but stuff their own pockets. So we, you know, thou in that in that psalm is you and I working together at the local level and doing what we can. I used to tell young officers and young enlisted when I was counseling them, you know, I'd, I'd talk them through their strengths and weaknesses and all that. And I would say, what, what is it that you can control in your life? You know, and it's fascinating conversations and answers that I would get when I asked that question. What is it that you can control in your life? And at the end of the day, you really can't control all that much, you know, especially if you're in the military, you even have less control. But what you can control is the decision to get out of bed, the decision to go do something else, the decision to use your time in a different way, the decision to be, you know, a, a, a good member of your family or a good member of your community, the decision to go to church. I mean, you can make decisions in your own local life and, in, you know, to go do more. And that's what our country needs right now. We are, de- I, I mean, if I, if I have. Well, they, they, they got to Mike, they got to have the truth first, you know, because I think a lot of people are just operating with, oh, everything's a conspiracy or you're a conspiracy. I know they describe yeah. you as a conspiracy theorist as a way to yeah. negate you and make you look like a whack job. But I think these town forums, these open yeah. places where we can have discourse, and, and I, I have a bunch of hands up. If you don't mind taking four yeah. or five questions from the I'll audience. Do, I'll do some quick answers. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go Nick and then Prodigal. Heat round. General Flynn, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, just a quick question for you. So uh, you were smeared uh, early on, even by Barack Obama, obviously. Um, and the, the, the funny thing is here. Uh, he didn't revoke your security clearance, did he? No, that's a great point. He didn't. <laughs> you know, they fear. Here, so Nick, quickly from, from on that issue, 
I, you know, they fear people like him. They fear what they cannot control. Okay. And, and I wasn't somebody that was going to, you know, kiss his rear end. And I've never been that way. And, you know, and, and bosses I've had, you know, they know that. And people that I've worked around know that. Um, they fear what they cannot control. And Barack Obama knew when he told President Trump, there's two people in the world that you, you've got to stay away from, Kim Jong-un of North Korea and Mike and General Mike Flynn. You know, but, but yeah, but he didn't take my, uh, my clearance. Well, that's a great point. I should... I, that's, you know, it's the first I've really heard it stated like that. So I'm going to use that in the, in the future, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Yep. Uh, hi, General Flynn. I've uh, been following uh, your career for a long time. I want to thank you for your service. I, I have two quick questions. The first is when Covington was your counsel, were you aware that uh, Eric Holder uh, was a partner at the firm? especially since it seems a lot of the illegal surveillance and wiretapping started under the Obama administration with the unmasking we saw by Samantha Power, et cetera. I was curious if you were aware of this or became aware that Eric Holder was there later. Uh, yeah, I, he was a, he was a major partner at that firm. And uh, I was told I was completely aware. Um, you know, I, I think from my standpoint, because I really, other than lawyers on my staffs or, or that I work with in the military, you know, I, I thought that the lawyers that I had were uh, going to be, uh, you know, professional and ethical. And, and it, and it turned out that they were that I, and I don't necessarily want to say that they were either of those, but uh, they certainly were uh, incompetent. And um, so, yeah, I was aware, uh, but you know, the, the way that the, the law and lawyers are supposed to operate. You know, they're supposed to be above reproach. Their ethics are supposed to be above reproach. And, and uh, you know, and I just, I just feel like, um, you know, if, if there was a mistake on, cho- on choosing lawyers. And so, you know, if anybody that's on this thing, if you got if you got questions about lawyers, you can come to me. Cause I'll tell you what, I'll, 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 I'll tell you what I've learned about lawyers. And I, and I, I have good ones now. One hundred percent. We appreciate you, General Flynn. Um, let's go to Manda. Manda, go ahead. Hi, I am so honored to be talking to you. So thank you for being here. And thank you, Grant, uh, Nelson and Elena for co-hosting and hosting the space. I'm just going to go ahead and <laughs> I'm just going to ask it. <laughs> um, what are there any ways or mechanisms that could possibly see Donald J. Trump back in presidency before 2024? No, there's, there, there are not. Um, I mean, you know, a, a long, long, long shot, you know, because I do think that they're getting ready to, they're setting up uh, the left right now, setting up Biden to be dumped. And I think we're going to see that. I really do. I I just feel that right now in my gut. Yeah, it feels like they're setting Um, him up. But yeah, but no, no, you know, the answer is no. Um, You know, I, I, I was out there before the speakership, uh, before they chose that. I was saying, hey, you know, God, we ought to consider Trump to be a, a speaker because speaker didn't need to be a member, an elected member of the House. So, I mean, you know, that that, um, you know, I I had uh, I, I didn't think that that was going to happen, but I just wanted it to at least be out there, uh, you know, for people to consider. Um, and of course, Matt Gates, who I really have a lot of time for now. I mean, I think he's as brave as they get. You know, he talk, talk about a person who stood up for this country. Um, but no, 
No, that, the answer is no. What we have to do is we've got to figure out how to get the how to get him back into office in uh, 2024. And and honestly, you know, if we're going to go through another election like we just went through in 2022 and 2020, you know, we, we got problems. So and I, and I don't and I don't mean to be, uh, you know, you know, negative about it. I just I'm being real. So thank you, Amanda. We we, we have problems because of what, Mike? Like what what needs no, to our change? Election, our election system is broken. You know that you're going to hear you're going to hear people saying we've got to get better at ballot harvesting. We got to get then the Democrats. We got to get better at mail in ballots. You can't unless you want to get better at cheating. You know, you know what we what we need to do is we need to have a system. And this is back to local action. So every county in this country can decide to run their elections by themselves. They don't need the state or they don't need the the uh, the federal government to dictate anything other than some policies. But once a county takes money from the state or takes money from the federal government, they are now owned by the state or by the federal government. And damn near every one of our thirty one hundred plus counties takes takes money from the federal and the state governments because they you know it's money, right? They take it. They think it they figure out oh, we'll use it. And so we have things like machines, we have things like printers, we have all these 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 horrific uh, the components of our of an election system that's completely broken. I mean, our elections. If anybody on here thinks that our election system is not broken, God, man, I, I'll buy. You know, I, I mean, and you can convince me of that. I, you know, I, 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 you know, jump off another forty foot cliff. But our system is broken. A county can decide how to run their elections. They can do it on on according to the Constitution. They can do it on the on one day, and they can do it paper ballot. And they can count by precinct in that county. And right now we don't have that. No, absolutely, you guys. Absolutely. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, General Mike Flynn is in the building. True American patriot blowing my mind right now. And if you guys are enjoying this interview as much as I am, if you aren't following General Flynn, scroll the way to the top and make sure you are. Make sure you're following General Mike Flynn. Let's go to uh, Jonathan Bing. Jonathan, let's talk about it. Hey, uh, good evening, uh, General Flynn. Uh, thank you for your service, uh, your years of service. Wow. Uh, it's long, long, long. Uh, you did. Uh, wow. You served this country for quite some time. My question, though, is on um, the Independence Day in 2020, you pledged your allegiance to uh, QAnon. What went, behind, uh, what went into that decision to do, uh, do something like that? I pledged my allegiance to who? QAnon. I don't think I did that. Uh, okay, because there was a uh, there was an article. Uh, that, that yeah, see, that's that's the media. That's the way the media labels. You know, the media labels. I I actually think that that that's why I wrote this book, Fifth Generation Citizens Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, because the the media narrative is to get people to think that that other people are something else and. Uh, you know, I, what I've said about the, that, that particular uh, uh, issue is that I actually think that that's some kind – I actually think that that's a, a government um, uh, campaign, and it was created I, – I firmly believe. I, I believe it. It's a total speculation that uh, – and I think I've said this in, in a couple of other platforms – that I actually think that the CIA created that. I actually think that they do because look at what they've done. they got all these people believing in some in some – crazy crackpot thing and uh you know i mean that's just that's what i think and i that's why and i'm like 
You know, I know I'm not, I'm not, I didn't pledge allegiance to anybody. I pledge allegiance to this country. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you there, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, Jonathan, he tried to stir it up on you a little bit, Mike. You know, he comes in here trying, to, trying to stir the soup. You, yeah, you know how the, you know how the left are, Mike. You know, you know how they do. <laughs> but let's go to. Um, I mean, this, this guy, Jonathan, that just asked you that question. He's got more. He's got more uh, vaccines than you got stripes and stars. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> I feel sorry for him. Absolutely. Sorry, Jonathan, that you had that because you know. It's you know this it, that was a look at this. Do you know that you know? So one other little piece of information on that. The uh, I think it's the CDC this past week released data that was hidden from the American public, and the data is 18 million more uh, veers of the the, the veers of VAERS system veers uh, um, uh, injuries. 18 million more that they kept hidden from the public was released this past week quietly. So I'm glad that, Jonathan, you, you we, we talked about you and vaccines because you reminded me of that uh, particular piece of information. That's that's staggering, 18 million more injuries because of the vaccination, and they kept it hidden from us. I mean, it, it, I feel that's why I feel sad. And I, like I said, I have, I have family members. So maybe one more question. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Elena, who do you want to go to? Well, I see Ms. Barbara Majewski's hand, so let's let's let the a woman end off with the final question. What do y'all say? Let's talk about it. I love it. I well, first of all, I want to thank Grant, Elena, Nelson, and Jonathan Bing for opening up these rooms. I believe these spaces can change change the course of the next election. We are just getting started in here and it's leaving such a huge impact. So thank you. And General Flynn, thank you so much for your service. Your stories tonight were unbelievable. I, but I, the one that most landed for me, of course, was your relationship with your wife. Um, I really applaud you for that. Um, and my question actually comes from uh, my friend in the audience, from ex-Army Sergeant Bishop. And he wants to know, will you run as VP, if asked? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, so first, Barbara, thank you. And thank you for recognizing my uh, long relationship with my wife. I mean, we, we what, and one of the, one of the things that I tell anybody on this, on this, uh, on this thing tonight, you know, that the phrase that I learned a long time ago from my ma was you got to like the person that you love. If you don't like the person that you love, then and that love thing, man, goes away. It's a fleeting thing, right? You got to like the person you love. So for Sergeant Bishop, I I uh, don't know uh, what my future will be or is. I just know that my path, my uh, my destiny was decided before I was born. And so, whatever um, whatever I I uh, find myself, in, you know, in front of, I will. Uh, I will do what's best for uh, I will do what's best for my faith. I'll do what's best for my country, and I'll do what's best for my family. And um, so, and I appreciate your service, Sergeant Bishop. And uh, thanks for asking that, and thanks for for even thinking about that. Um, so let me just let me just wrap up. I I will. I love this actually. Um, I didn't know what this was going to be. Uh, Grant and uh, Nelson and Elena. Um, it, people. You know, those that aren't following me, please follow me at uh, Jen, at Jen Flynn. Uh, please go to my website, uh, GeneralFlynn.com. I have a great, great bestseller out right now, The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare, and, and it's explosive. I mean, I want I want everybody to get it. Send it to your, you know, 
And uh, so anyway, anyway, I just want to uh, yeah. finish with that and just say thank you. Mike, and thank, I, thanks to Elon. Thanks to Elon. For yeah. Coming. But Mike, thank you for your service. Look, I mean, you know, you have a story to tell and your story hopefully is going to be like, no speaking. is going to, is going to bring more truth to people. And I really, you know, this isn't like you being on Fox news and talking to the, you know, singing to the choir. You're singing to a lot of people right here that are looking for the truth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I and, appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And I look forward to doing more stuff with you in 2023 and, and getting more of my audience to know who you are. Everybody, please give Mike a big uh, follow and also uh, send him a comment tonight. You know, tag him at Jen Flynn yeah, uh, that you enjoyed it. And if you got questions for him, send those to at Jen Flynn and see, maybe, maybe he gets around to answer it. I cannot thank you enough for the two hours you've given us, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Tell your wife thank you, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Yes, thank All you. Right. I just want to second that and say thank you for spending the last two hours. You have really given me the opportunity to understand you, your story, and thank you for shedding light on some some things that I didn't know about that is is definitely, like Barbara said, going to influence the 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 next coming course of action for for this for this country. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for your service and thank you for your time tonight. Grant, great interview. Thank you yep. so much, yep. General God bless. Glenn. Yeah, we're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. There's so much more, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. God bless. God bless America. God bless you, General Flynn. I mean it. Wow. Grant, Elena, true American patriot right there. General Flynn, I mean it. I don't know about you guys, man, but my mind is completely blown. GC, I mean Nelson, another. Nelson, seriously. Or did, you, did you flip? out about the organization and the steps that they're taking on the implanting people and how they're did did your did light bulbs go off about maybe covid being the the test period for for right stage which is how far can we go and what do we have to do to get compliance i mean i am like wow it is absolutely and and you know the thing elena if it was coming from a regular person, then, you know, I'll be like, okay, whatever. But I mean, a general of his caliber giving us that information. I, I mean, mean, you heard got- <laughs> in the first 10 minutes, literally it took him that long to, to spew out all of his credentials and how qualified and how knowledgeable to the inner depths of like the entire globe of what's going on with intelligence. So exactly what you're saying, he is 100% bonafide in, in, in his evaluations of what's happening. But like he said, don't trust him. Go and listen to that executive order. Uh, what was it? One, four, zero, zero, seven, seven, one, four, zero, six, seven. That's right. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm completely mind struck. And I definitely feel like we should get, I mean, guys, if you're in the audience and you want to get on stage and talk about what you just heard from General Flynn, just hit the request button and we'll definitely rotate you onto the stage. I know we have Sebastian Gorka on the stage right now. I'm mean, former deputy assistant to Trump. Sebastian, my brother, I mean, wow, that was a hell of an interview. I mean, what are your thoughts? Let's talk about it. I'm not sure he knows to unmute his mic. Can you guys hear me? You guys can hear me, right? Yeah, we can hear you. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm. I'm. Either Sebastian's trying to unmute his mic and doesn't realize it, or uh, I or think he's, he's off the stage now. 
He's think. off. Yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. Okay. Can I can I ask you guys? Did you hear about? Uh, there's some bad news coming out about Lisa Marie Presley. Have you guys heard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just, I just texted it to Nelson and Grant. Do you guys want to talk about it? That's a great point, Tara. I'm on the same page with you on that. Nelson? Wow. Um, no, I, I I haven't heard about it. I, Did you I haven't read at your all. text? I mean, Grant, Elena, you guys heard about this? Yeah, I, I just heard she passed away from a heart attack. What? Um, and she went into so. cardiac arrest earlier today. Her husband found her. And I uh, administered CPR, and she was rushed to the hospital. So uh, Priscilla Presley uh, rushed there. They said they were working on her. They didn't provide any additional information. And it just came out that she died. Exactly wow. Cardiac arrest. Let's just start I, there. I, I, it's just it's unbelievable the amounts of cardiac arrest. And, and then, it, you know, everyone at the forefront of your of, of your mind right you're automatically thinking was she vaccinated am i wrong am i wrong am i wrong yeah you're not wrong at all 100 percent. you are wrong just... she's only 54 years up. old no, um i think her birthday should, no, nobody... well, i know her birthday was coming up february 1st she would have been i'm born on elvis's birthday and my brother's born on on his daughter's birthday so that's why i know that but it's so sad I just didn't know if you guys had talked about it. I know the title of the call is regarding vaccines. I can't say whether or not she was um, vaccinated, but it is automatically like the first thought, I think, with so much horrible news. like And people are too young to be dying from this. It's just it's insane. She's three years younger than I. Grant, you know, know, Grant. You know, Grant and Elena, this goes back to, you know, the way General Flynn described the vaccine, right? I mean, he called it a mass murder weapon. That's what he called it, bro. You know, so it's, listen, man, again, if this is a random person saying this, that's one thing. Yeah. But a general on that level saying that, I mean, he definitely knows a lot more than the average person in this room does. Yeah. Right. So the other interesting thing that I thought was his transparency and authenticity and ease of of which he presented just there was, there was no he wasn't wasn't trying to sell anything he's not trying to make anything up you know his first meeting with Trump and how they got along and the whole uh, world health organization and the economic forum like you know he must have said six or eight times go look this up go look this up this is this now, is a decorated uh, U.S. Army general, right? That was caught up in that entire Russian witch hunt. You know, ended up being prosecuted by the feds. Uh, later, they moved to dismiss the charges because you know they didn't feel like they had uh, merit. And you know, he ended up having to resign from his position as national security security advisor in order to deal with this. I mean, this man has been tortured and he keeps on going keeps on going every day so he's highly respected to, highly be, fair, to be fair though uh, Nick he did plead guilty okay but yes yeah, but you if, know you're charged, if you're charged by the federal government there's a 97.6% chance that you're going to be convicted and when you have a politically motivated charge such as this I would take a plea deal too why would you not because you have a 97.6% chance of being thrown in prison Nick, that's the problem with leftists like Jonathan. And and let's just throw this back to the really stupid question Jonathan asked him on the stage. 
I mean, just absolutely ridiculous, right? I, I mean, Jonathan, if you look, if you, okay. Elena, Elena Grant, if you look up in the nest, if you look up in the nest, Nelson, I put it up here. Okay, there's proof. There was video of him doing it as well. I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna ask Grant's guess. I'm not gonna go after Grant's guess. Okay, um, but. Um, yeah, thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> 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 At least not on the first time, maybe on. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's I didn't want to call him out. There's video and everything else of it, so I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, but he. Uh, I just want to. I just want to say. I, I can tell you that people are interested in this conversation because this is a big room, a lot of people in here. I mean, if he'd have stayed, this room would have just gotten bigger and bigger. So, uh, I just want to say that if uh, if we're to acknowledge that this is a bioweapon, as General Flynn said, and I very much think it could be, then we all have to acknowledge that there is some very, very dark, nefarious forces at play at the highest level, and it would be have to be at a global level because we're talking about World, World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum. Um, so, like... This this has to be acknowledged as a reality, it, does it not? One hundred percent, million percent. And he talked about that there being very that it was a spiritual war and that that it's very evil forces. This is a so, man that this is a man that is very conservative in his lifestyle. I'm not talking about as a Democrat or Republican, but you can just hear you're not married that long. So we, we have to go back to the JFK speech and acknowledge that there are elements within our own country, within our own government, um, that, you know, really paint ourselves include, uh, as the bad guys or uh, a part of a cabal of bad guys. I mean, there's no other way to kind of uh, reconcile this. At least I can't think of any unless uh, someone else can make sense of this. You know, I spent eight years up there. If you don't know this is not spiritual warfare when you've gone up there, then you don't know. And I think your average American understands that too. You don't have to have been there to have some special experience. But I'm just going to tell you, it is spiritual warfare. You know, people get close to power. They get close to influence. Um, as my former boss used to say, uh, Thomas Massey used to say that that pin that they wear, he calls it my precious. And you kind of realize that people start to feel, you know, they, you can tell the golem gets in them over time when they hang out there for a while. They get to walk around all the barriers. They're treated special. They're given, you know, everyone wants to see them in their office and blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, it, it it's it's really a, a spiritual thing that, that is going on in a negative way that goes on there because, you know, people just get caught up in that darkness and they want to do something with it for their own benefit. And in some total, that becomes a real problem. Well, he did allude to it. He talked about the global elitists early on in the conversation. So uh, this definitely made the, the short list in the conversation. You know, just real quick, for everybody in the audience, I want you to post one thing that General Flynn said here tonight that blew your mind, right? Bottom right corner, chat feature. Hit that chat feature and type one thing you picked up from him today that just absolutely blew your mind, right? And I, I think that would be very interesting for us to pick some talk, talking points to discuss on. But in the meantime, let's go to Freemason. I mean, Freemason, what did he say that just made you go crazy? Let's talk about it. 
Listen, man, first of all, everything he said is validated. You know, he talks about what I would call the rise of the Fourth Reich. There was a gentleman who was a conspiracy theorist uh, named Jim Mars. He wrote a book called Rise of the Fourth Reich. And what it basically describes is that the mindset and the ideology didn't die with Hitler, that in fact they escaped and just infected and went into the rest of the world. And in fact, they found U-boats, uh, Fat Boy, the bomb that we dropped was already built. This is all in the book. I don't know this to be true, but it definitely seems more along the lines that it's true than not. And when you think about the fact that maybe as America was the forefront of the winner of World War II, both us and Russia borrowed from the Nazis. I mean, these guys were going to space. In fact, Elon Musk's entire program owes its uh, birth to the V-2 rocket, even to this day. So having said that, the theory is that, that the mindset just infiltrated into what we know is free, and now the roosters come home, and uh, we're not so free. And if it hadn't been for Elon Musk and people like Grant and Tara, yourself, uh, taking uh, these spaces and making them a modern-day tea party, we wouldn't know any of it. If someone asked uh, General Flynn, is there a chance that we can fix it? I mean, I don't know. I can tell you one thing. Being a Freemason, we were part of the revolution. Uh, in fact, I told Tara in another call earlier that she was like uh, a Ben Franklin, if you will. But the fact is, is that tyranny exists all over the place. Um, I happen to be a member of some invite-only groups. I won't say on here. If anyone wants to DM me, I'm more than happy to talk about it. But um, this stuff is very real. No question about it. And uh, it is definitely uh, 5G warfare. And um, it's pretty sick, man. No, 100%, brother, 100%. Let's go to Tammy. Tammy, I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, how do you feel about the interview? And let's talk oh about it. Oh, my God, it. it was amazing. General Flynn is always amazing. No matter what uh, space he comes on, I always try to... Tammy, it's, it's, it sounds like you're in a bathroom or something. You, you're very muffled. Oh, hang on a second. Okay. Can you hear All me right. now? While we absolutely, let's talk okay. about it. Um, no, I I absolutely love General Flynn. Um, the uh, the financial thing um kind of freaked me out, and uh, but um yeah, I was just looking at Lisa Marie Presley's um Twitter feed, and she appears that she was posting stuff um about the COVID nineteen. Uh, back in April, so I'm pretty sure she was most likely vaccinated. And she traveled, and there was on her Twitter feed, she was also in China not very long ago, so I'm sure she was vaccinated. So it's just sad what's happening right now and that people are still, of course, putting things under the Twitter feed saying, you know, people better not, you know, say this is the COVID shot and stuff like that. It's just so ridiculous. I mean, like, what's it going to take for people to wake up? But anyway, I mean, it's 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 at the point now where you can't even rule it I out. I know, right? right? It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it has to be considered at this point, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. So it, you know, it's it's crazy Absolutely. as to you know what why people like Jonathan Bing take that stance, Elena. I I, I just I just don't understand it. I don't understand it. If I if I may, Tammy just looked at some tweets. And, and came up with to the conclusion that she was vaccinated. These tweets didn't even say she was vaccinated. And then she said, yeah, we could pretty much say she's back. She was vaccinated. She was traveling the world. That, okay. Once, once again, you cannot say that the woman's vaccinated. 
And that's all I want to say. That was that was just a little irresponsible. That, that's fine. So, she, but, made, but, she very, so made, so she very well may have been. But, but then do you say she she falsified no, her, her vaccine card? Her, cause, yeah, cause the, world she she rose in, the world she rolls in, uh, I, I, I would guarantee you she's vaccinated. Sir, on June 23rd of, tw- of 2022, she went over and put her handprint on uh, the Chinese theater walk and was putting posts about it. And how do you, how is she going to travel to China without being vaccinated? The Chinese theater walk. You know, you're talking about doing in Los Angeles, but I have a very good friend in Grant Cardone that traveled all around the world for her, for he, her, for her to go he to, wasn't vaccinated. to the golden globes the, the, the other night for her to go to the recording studios for her to do any TV on it with any studio. Disney still has COVID mandated for all actors, even children actors in Hollywood today. Okay. You cannot get on the set without showing all studios, not just Disney, but go ahead, Grant. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like my wife correcting me. I don't mind so many strange people trying that stuff, but. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you can't you cannot walk on a studio anywhere in hollywood without a vaccine card a, a recent covid shot like like they're they're still freaked out over there and she was at if, if i'm not wrong she was at the golden gloves two nights or three nights ago yep Grant, did i remember you telling me you you went you were in new york and new york was like really strict about the vaccination yeah and the mask i'm not an actor you, bro you know, but but remember, and you can't. I know that, but you but you the restaurants remember, and you couldn't get going to the restaurant, and you were able to get in that restaurant without being vaccinated. Yeah, man, I got in the restaurant, man, because I got that black card. Okay, okay but just once again, I got that black card. I got in Franklin. That's a fact, Amadi. Are you are you vaccinated? You got your vaccination card? I said yes. He's like, oh yeah, that's that looks like a vaccination card to me. Let's talk about it. There you go, and there you <laughs> so, go. So, but hey, I'm telling hey. you, that's. That's not how she would roll, okay? I'm telling you, it, it, we, you know, I, I'll buy you dinner if she wasn't vaccinated. All right, no problem. Can the cardiologist chime in? About a cardiac arrest? Yeah. Man, Grant, he's back. Neverland yeah. Airways. Well, I, I do want to talk <laughs> about General Flynn, though. I do want to talk about Jen Flynn. All right. And, and you know Bernard, he called. He he said that the vaccine is a murder weapon. What what do you have to say about that? As you as you guys know, I listen to everything, and so I was very interested in everything that he had to say. Uh, I definitely am going to run this room back and vet uh, all of the uh, references that he made because. I've learned from experience when you immediately dismiss someone based on a belief, you miss out on a lot of information. So being being here, so like the, this room would be characterized as a, you know, the anti-vax quack quack room uh, by you know many of the people that I've you know been around, especially academics. But I've learned a lot of shit up in here, so I'm gonna definitely look it up. Wait, don't don't tell me you went into Dr. Copeland's room earlier in the morning and now you're getting a different perspective about us is that what it is dr bedard oh did, did you not listen to that room i uh, of course not why, why the hell am i gonna listen to that room absolutely not they're fighting for my life man i like it better in here <laughs> okay good <laughs> i like it yo, yo listen man the, the thing about it is like i already told y'all i'm the grinch 
But what I appreciate about this room is that at least I'm given the opportunity to uh, express my point, and I feel like I'm respected for the most part in here. In there, I mean, like, they don't want to hear shit. I mean, like, it's all, like, reactionary and emotional. I'm like, bro, like, let's just look at the data. But, you know, it is what it is. So, anyways, I'm here. 100 percent 100 percent let's go to um tap tap let's talk about it hey thanks so much for having me guys um and it's so funny because you were like why doesn't everybody pick something michael you know general michael flynn said tweeted out and um i did that before you said that but i put the vaccine comment he put and i put that it was a murder weapon and it kicked me out of this space as soon as i pressed send on my tweet which I thought was really interesting, number one. Um, so I came back and I tweeted another uh, something else that he put on there um, that they fear what they can't control. So I just think that those are important things. Um, and then real quickly, um, you know, I love, number one, that he is so open um, about his faith on platforms like this. Um, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I do think that God has been very clear on what we do need to do when everyone says that, you know, we don't know what to do. Is there still hope? You know, God calls us as believers to to turn back to him, humble ourselves to pray, and that he will heal our land. And I think that that is so important um, to take note of, because as you guys are talking in here, I mean, you have the VP of Pfizer saying that what is going on is satanic the VP of Pfizer. So you guys, we need to open our ears. We need to wake up. How do you fight a spiritual battle? You got to use spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. We can't come in there and, you know, use these little conversations or these tactics. I mean, I've been on Twitter spaces talking about this stuff for the last year. So I'm so glad on this level now um, that these th- these conversations are happening. I think it's it's such a great way to go straight to the people boots on the ground people. I'm a single mom. I live out here in Commie, California and under Gavin Newsom's dictatorship over here. I'm a single mom. I've got four kids and our school systems are just being taken over by just insane stuff over here. And I'm at my school board meetings. I'm on boots on the ground and I'm fighting these things as a mom. Um, you know, I don't have a huge platform, but I'm doing what I can do on a local level to get involved and to fight this stuff. But I will tell you right now, it is demonic what is going they, on. The they only control way to fight this the stuff. narrative. They That's control right. the narrative. 100 percent right. and you've got no shot. The information you get is blocked. It's filtered. They, uh, you know, the, uh, the stuff with Pelosi came out today uh, that we never heard. Uh, they're covered up for, they protect one another and, and you're never going to hear the stuff that you need to hear. I think the interview with, uh, General Flynn was absolutely outstanding. He's a great American, and we, you know he's on the inside. He's seeing the stuff. And how do we get the message, the truth out? We don't want narr- false narratives. We just want the truth to be out, Nelson. Hundred percent, bro. Hundred percent. And, and listen, <laughs> you guys are gonna call me a right wing, whatever, right? But the, the truth is the truth. The left. I mean, they're, they're running this country like, like, probably like the Soviet Union at this point in time. What, what worse? Right. Union I mean, this is, them. right. I mean, all the stuff that's being uncovered, especially with the Twitter files, right? It, it's just, it's mind blowing, right? This from censorship to, oh my God. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point. 
Did, you know, did so. Tammy, hey, Nelson, did Tammy get her question in? Because we got a bunch of people with hands up right now. Tammy, yeah, yeah Tammy's good. Yeah, you can take Tammy's it down. Good. Okay. Appreciate okay. you, Tammy. Well, yeah, thank you, guys. Nathan. I'm going to go, too. Appreciate you, Tap. But, yeah, man, it's just absolutely crazy. Let's go to Nathan. Nathan, jump in. Yeah, thanks for having me up, guys. Grant, been a long-time follower. Uh, I'm a veteran myself, and when I heard uh, Jonathan posted the QAnon thing up in the nest uh, for Flynn, I went and checked it out. And when I listened to it, I literally started laughing because I'm a veteran, and I'm like, this is really close to the uh, oath of enlistment. Um, that he's saying he, it's slightly like a modified version, I guess. Um, but it's very, very close to it. So I don't know how in the world that would relate in any way to QAnon. Um, but I'm glad he dismissed it anyways. Thank you for your service. 100%. Thank you, brother. Let's go to, uh, Jake. Jake, my man, let's go. What's up, Nelson? Hey, um, thanks for having me back. But, you know, listening to him, you know, like like you said earlier, if it was just, you know, if it was just John, John Doe out here just saying this, you know, that's one thing. But we have, we have, we have a general like that, of that, of that stature saying these things. And, you know, somebody like that asks these super important questions, you know, it, it's a murder weapon. You know, people are dying from this thing, which is true. Um, probably not a hundred percent of the people, but you have to, you have to ask as, as a group, and this is a great group to have this discussion with is when do we start asking the serious, important questions and having the serious, important conversations, because we can have them now and not have to worry about such, such censorship problems as much as we did say last year. These are the things I lost my accounts for. I lost four accounts for talking about this stuff for the last three years. I lost 600,000 followers. And now we've got General Flynn and many other people here saying these things that we've been saying and trying to have conversations about. You know, it, the, the question that comes to mind for me is that if it's, it, it seems like it's a them against us sort of deal. And if that is my perception, then I have to ask myself, then who is the enemy here? And if it's us, why? It, I, I don't understand. I, I want to know the answer to that question. Very valid question indeed, want, my brother. Trust me. No, so we, I just, mean, it's, we just want the data. We just want the data. No data. I just, the data I just want the answers, free. man. The like, I just... It will, I, you know, I, I just want the answers, but I want it reasonably, I want it logically, and I want it respectfully given to me. You know, none of this debate back and forth, oh, you're super right wing, super left wing, you're this, you're that, none of that stuff. You know, I don't, you should have the ability to do what's best for you in your personal situation without that judgment. And we need to have those conversations without, you know, I've, I've had people literally threaten to come and remove my head from my body because I've had these conversations because it upsets somebody so much. And I'm just trying to have dialogue, you know, like we need to have these important conversations, but do it the right way. Yeah. Hey guys, is Bernard still in here? Dr. Bernard. Um, because you know, Jeff Beck, Jeff Beck died yesterday of meningitis. And supposedly that was a disease that had been eradicated years ago. Mm. Um, I, I don't I don't know about these diseases, but I do know that 
it's it's not too soon to ask the question: Was she vaccinated? Why why wouldn't you? You, you, you when you hear of, of hundreds of kids fall, falling over? We saw this on football two weeks ago. Like, I'm not rushing to judgment. I'm not being disrespectful to anyone. I'm just asking. My dad died of heart complications. Well, I think if the government has the right to ask everyone if they're all vaccinated for work and for whatever, we should be able to ask if people who have been dying are vaccinated. Grant, I go back to the, the basic question, who killed Kennedy? And, and it's, it's, I know it's a different subject, but it's not. If we're still 60 years later, we don't have the answer, but they do. We, we, we got to start there and, and start saying, you're withholding the information for 40 or 50 years. Why? You're our government. And they're going to withhold this information for 40 or 50 years. And all the people that are on this stage saying, I told you so, we knew it. It's, it we're going to be dead. And, and so why not release the information now? If people screwed up, let's, let's hold them to account. But more importantly, let's get the people that are alive right now help if there is help. Let's start seeking an antidote to the vax if it's, in fact, problematic. What would you guys think about what General Flint said in regards to the Democratic Party essentially becoming a Marxist socialist party? What do you guys think about that? He's right. Not he's, very he's not wrong. Talk about it, Jake, and I'll bounce it back to Jonathan. You know, I I don't know the medical terminology. I don't know the science. My my fingers on the pulse of social media and culture, and that's where my expertise is at. And and it looks like, as from what I can see over time, things things kind of condense and monopolize. And you know, look at look at the medical industry, for example. You know, look at look at the farming industry and how how monopolized that has gotten over the last hundred years, and how important those things are. And this this is the same thing, you know. Uh, countries are getting so populous now, and and becoming so big that they have to, that you have to monopolize and squeeze everything into one. And and one of the questions that I I'd love an answer to is, you know, why why are we pushing things like getting rid of gas stoves? Why are we pushing all of the these uh, you know, you know, protected speech because it's hurtful to people? Um, why are we uh, why are we talking about 15 minute cities and what, why all this control over people all of a sudden in the last three years, why this explosion of this throughout this timeline? No, absolutely. I mean, Jonathan, I mean, what are your thoughts? Let's talk about it. The the Democrat party is not becoming a socialist party or, you know, it's a party of freedom. Uh, Yeah. When you look at the Republicans right now, everyone says, Hey, I, it's about it's what about meism? What about meism? Okay, we were in, in a pandemic. All right, it's what about the country? It's what about you know your fellow American? You know, uh, and and getting through this together because we didn't know what's going to go. I I feel bad because if we have I don't know if Ebola comes down the pipe or something as as deadly as smallpox come down the pipe, it, it's the rhetoric that came from the right, and I and I hate to do it that way. Hey, that freedom, point, party, freedom of choice, right? Freedom of pro choice. Your Democrats uh, are pro choice. Pro-choice, too, okay, when it comes to taking a vaccine. Pro-choice, brother. Pro-choice. No, guess what? It was choice, bro. It was choice, okay? Yeah, lose your job, lose your life, lose everything. Come on, man. Brian, guess what, Brian? You didn't, once again, go get it. Go get, go get and by the way, you lost board. That. When all those people got to be reinstated and be repaid 
because the government did them wrong. And, and New York State, they got to rehire everybody, give them back pay because the government, your government, your democratic communist government. No, that, that, first of all, that's not true, first and foremost. Okay? Well, it is, well, it is true in New York State. I can't speak Okay, so because you're, you're putting it out there like, like that. That's, well, that's New York State's a democratic state. It's a communist state, and they, the communists lost in New York, buddy. Okay. But, Brian, once again, like, like I said. All those pro-choice uh, people uh, in New York State lost. Guess what? If, if, your, if your employer asks you to do something, you don't do it. Guess what? That's that's insubordination, especially if they're following a, a, gov- a government uh, ruling or some 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 sort of mandate. So, you know, um, I, if, if those people that didn't that lost their job, you know, I feel bad for them. But that that was the policy at the time. That was the policy at the time. Ben stop. If your employer asks you to put something in your body that you don't want to put in your body that's potentially toxic and you don't, you can be fired. I think OSHA would have a problem. Brian, they, Brian, they've been doing that with the, the flu vaccine. They've been doing it. They, they, my, my, you know, my, my employer, my employer never required me to have the flu, buddy. Okay. Well, once again, you you the were never in a vaccine. pandemic. You were never in a pandemic, Brian. You were never, and, and that's the part that you know. I, I get what you're saying, but during extraordinary times, we need extraordinary measures. Guess what? We got out of this because of the vaccinated. Because people went out. You know, seventy percent of the population got uh, got vaccinated. Okay, and we got out of this. Now, every everyone that didn't get vaccinated is looking back, saying, "Oh, we didn't need to do it because we we didn't get vaccinated." You know, that's a revisionist history, and you know, you guys are just dismissing all the people that did get a, did vaccinated. Freedom of choice is a bitch, isn't it? Yeah, but guys, but guys, but guys, is a bitch. you know, you know, this is this is beyond the vaccination at this point. I mean, <laughs> am I the only one that listens to everything General Flynn shared on his stage? I mean the the vaccine is one of the worries, yeah. But I mean this is this is so much bigger than that. And Jonathan, I mean, listen, for him to say the Democratic Party is essentially a Marxist socialist party, and going back to the start of the interview, he's actually a registered Democrat. No, he, right? he, he, no. So, yep. One one second, Jonathan. He said that on his stage. I know. I know. I know. Sometimes you're hard of hearing, but he did say that on his stage. So did he worked for he, Obama. He, 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 Thank you very much, Ben Stock. Thank you very much for pointing that out. So, Jonathan, for for a general on that level, one one second, Ben Stock. Okay, one second. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, for him to 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 have made that observation and come to that conclusion, having worked for both parties, tells you something, Jonathan Bing. It tells you that you don't know anything about what's really going on behind the scenes. So, you know, if I were you, Jonathan, I'll take what he said and I'll go to bed tonight thinking about what he said and the possibility of it being true. I mean, that's that's just what I'm saying. Right. Because it's not every day you get to talk to a general on that level. You understand what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'll throw back to you to get your thoughts on that. Let's talk about it. Yeah, well, he's a registered uh, Democrat up until uh, recently, all right? And he's no longer a registered Democrat. I just wanted to put that out there because you, you, you just say he's a registered Democrat. He's well, that not, party put right? him in jail, so, you know? Uh, okay, Ben, stop. Well, there, there's, yeah, a reason, there's a reason he's not a registered Democrat. You know why, don't you, Jonathan? Go ahead. Because almost all Democrats are damn leftists, and he's not. Bam. And I'm telling you... Uh, that you know, Matt. What, what what do you think Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss are doing this thing for? Like they're not conservatives; <laughs> they actually just still believe in the Constitution and crap. You know, the Democrat Party does not believe in the Constitution under any circumstances anymore. They only believe about power. It's all about power. It's all about getting what they want. 
and making sure they're get, they uh, you know get their fine uh, 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 stock trades going well. You know so that's why they run the bills up so that they can get get the trades going. Dude, they're a leftist party. Not absolutely every one of them are leftists, but it's a leftist party, and that's why. Then, then Trump, gotcha, bitch. Then, then Trump run a deficit up more than anyone. I mean, come let, let's I gotcha, be real, bitch. Hey, let's, let's be real. Hey, dude, that, there's no doubt then about. It. There's no doubt he did. I publicly chastised it, but I'm telling you, man, there was more freedom coming out of the Trump administration than there even the Bush administration, who, by the way, doubled the national debt. Also, Barack Obama doubled it. And the amazing thing is the best economy that we had is, is the last two presidents that are, are most uh, accused of be doing extramarital affairs and stuff. Bill Clinton and Donald Trump had a good, but see, Clinton had to follow what Newt Gingrich was doing because they cornered him because they had the power and they did what was right. Donald Trump did what was right in so many areas. He just did it and took care of it. And, and worked with the Congress. I was working on Capitol Hill at the time. He was working with the Congress to try to do things. He got betrayed by Republicans. I totally get it. The Republican Party could be crappy, too. Donald Trump, even with his Excuse weaknesses hey, like Jim. that, is much better. Excuse me. Excuse me one second. I just got a text from General Flynn. He says, hey, I want to do that again soon. Now that I know what it is, what it is there are so many issues to address. Um uh, you, Nelson, and Elena did a great job hosting. That that dude, uh, Jonathan, uh, not so much. <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> <laughs> <Elena. Thank> <laughs> Jonathan. Send Ben to Paul Pelosi's house. <laughs> and hey, Tara, 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 I'm sorry you got moved down earlier, buddy. No worries. No, not at all. Um, I was in yeah. the car, and then Tara, I know a lot of people you. were requesting. <laughs> no worries at all. I, also, check your DMs. I sent you a DM, uh, Tara. I, I got it, and I responded um, to you, Miss Beautiful Elena. Uh, so, And I, f- I followed you. I thought I followed you a long time ago, so I don't know how I wasn't already following you, but I followed you again. So thank you guys so Woo! much. Um Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, no, the, the space was incredible, but then when I came up as speaker, Grant, I couldn't hear you. So I thought there was like radio silence. So I went to respond and say something and then realized that you were unmuted, but I just couldn't hear you. So I didn't want to step all over you. So it's actually better now because I can hear you now. I had to reset my phone and, and do some things, uh, clear the cache and stuff for Twitter. So it's working now. Yay. Well, you know, thank you, Tara. And then when, when this guy has a good experience and Roger Stone had a good experience here, um, you know, this should open it up to some other people that, 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 that might know something. And again, like what I, what I told him, I said, you know, you could go on Fox, bro. It's, it's the same audience you guys have been talking to. I told 45 this, by the way. I said, look, you know, that's why your rallies worked. You got to talk to people that were interested and curious about you. And you can't, and, you know, and, and, I, I don't and always. To, and, to, and to back your point, Grant, they get a little more than that five minute little segment on Fox. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They get to tell a story. You get to ask questions and people get to start feeling a connection. I mean, Jonathan, when you heard him talk about 45, the way he did about his acumen about the world affairs, did that not like, did you not like, oh, wow, that kind of surprised me. 
Yeah, that, that totally surprised me uh, because I, I thought he was a bungling idiot, you know, and that uh, he just, you know, I didn't think he, you know, he's taking the presidency, presidency run serious because I didn't expect him to be, be elected. I know he didn't expect to be elected. So, you know, because he didn't even have a transition team in place. So, you know, when I when I heard that, I, I was a bit surprised. You're right. Absolutely. Run if he didn't want to win. He's a winner. Winners expect to win. They don't play games they can't win. That's what so we have a transition team in place. Because he was too busy trying to win. You don't need a transition place until you win, a team until you win. All efforts were on winning. That's why, John, everything was on winning. And you know what? He won, and we won, and you won. How's your mortgage business doing right now with the new bumbling idiot that's in there? How's it, how's it going? How's the economy doing? How's the real estate business going? How's gas prices? How's prices of everything else? You, you, you pretend, you liberals pretend to be concerned about the poor. Who's getting hosed the worst right now? The poor. The poor. So don't give me your nonsense. If you tax Grant Cardone an extra 10%, 20%, million, 10 million, 20 million dollars, it ain't going to help a damn person, man. It ain't gonna help a damn person. The econ- it's the economy, stupid. And the econ- and and then you start talking about treason. And then Biden's got all that stuff in the garage with the Corvette, the gas guzzling V8 Corvette. It's it. You can't make this shit up, man. And you guys still sit there and bang the broken, stupid drum. I mean, there's no hope for you guys. I gotta tell you, there's no hope. Go to Russia. I have a genuine. I have a genuine question for Jonathan, if you guys don't mind, just really quick. Um, in Let's regard talk about to. It. Just in regard to Biden and the way that now it seems the media is quickly turning on him and throwing him under the bus in regard to documents that were found several months ago, and now all of a sudden it's becoming ammo against Biden, which is extremely suspect, the timing of that. Um, if the media tells you not to like Biden, are you going to you know, like change your stance? Will you just go whichever way the wind blows, or will you stay true to Biden to the end? Tara, I'm true to the truth, and and that and when I first found out about those documents, I, I said Biden needs to be held accountable because we should not have two sets of standards, one for Trump, one for Biden. I think we we uh, it needs to be looked at, and and to be honest with you, I I said that very loudly that I was disappointed that uh, this happened prior to the election, and even though I believe had this come out before the election, it would uh, I think that the House would have uh, had a wider margin. And that the uh, GOP probably would have got that Senate back, you know, and I don't like that, but, you know, it is what it is, you know. So, you know, I, I was very vocal about that. Uh, so it's not about Biden. And that's what you guys get. It's not about Biden. It's about our country. It's about the truth. OK. And, and so it's never been about Biden. It's been about making sure and ensuring that everyone, you know, uh, is uh, playing by the rules, you know, at least on the surface. They should be playing by the rules. So I'm not here. Uh, Biden should get the same treatment Trump got. But here's the thing, Tara. I've since learned that Biden did get the same treatment that Trump got, okay, because uh, the rules is that they don't uh, announce anything in, you know, 90 days or 120 days before the election, okay? So, you know, when you look at it in that, you know, from that lens, I'm like, okay, I, it's a bit more palatable. But, you know, once again, I, I truly believe that, um, you know, the fact that they waited to after the election and after that house, the new uh, Congress, excuse me, was sworn in, you know, I, I that wasn't uh, accidental, but I understand why. But it's a totally different thing than what Trump did. Biden people turned the documents in as soon as they found them. They had to go 
take the documents from Trump. No, well, let's he was not, in the process let's not, of negotiating with I know, I know, no, 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 hold on, no, Brian, 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 Brian I'm, I'm almost done. Brian, I'm almost done. Ben Stock, I'm almost done. Ben Stock, I'm almost done. What what I will say is Biden's team turned the documents in right away. Okay? Now, uh, and bro, six bro, years later is right away. He's had him for 10 years. years how, how many years has he had him for? No, no, so I, I agree. Seven I agree. years. No, I, I agree. I said when Seven his team years. found him, right he away. turned him in right away. When he found Sounds, him, what do you mean? You Sounds don't like, think he knew he had him? You, you know what, uh, Grant? If we can prove that Biden knew that those documents were there, Biden needs to be held accountable. This is see, yeah. this is not. He definitely needs to be held accountable and and to the, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, given the same treatment that yeah. Donald Trump was getting. But I don't that, think and I said that from the, the very beginning. Treatment. I don't think he gets the same treatment as Donald Trump because I don't think a vice president uh, has the right to have any of that stuff, does he? Under any conditions, none. Yeah, that's debatable. Hillary had none. None. Hillary was a secretary. Of state. Yeah, she had none. She, he has the same rights that she had. None. Zero. Brian, Brian, I, we heard some different. Uh, uh, Nelson, and I was on a different space earlier. We heard something quite different, possibly. No, so no, please, no actually, no, no. she had classified national security information on her private servers in her backyard in Chappaqua, New York. She had but, classified information on Wiener's laptop. No business being in either place. And, and Tira said, well, uh, Wiener's wife was Huma Abedin, her personal secretary. What the hell does that have to do with Wiener, who, who was not in, not allowed to have that information, nor was she able to have that information on a private laptop? Brian, there were emails. They weren't classified emails. They weren't classified information emails. They flipped their nose at the law. It's, it, it's the same thing as Pelosi. This guy's dirty. Absolutely. Filthy. filthy. He got caught. And, and, and I don't care about... The, the guy hanging out with a dude. I don't care about the false po- police report. What what I care about is the the military of the press that j- circles around the, the wagons to protect these guys from things that none of us would have the protection on. If Trump was uh, hanging out with a dude right. in his house, do you think he'd have been accorded the same uh, 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 cover up? One hundred percent. And and Nelson, in, 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 we we were in rooms. Where the tears of the world sat there and said, "No, Paul Pelosi did this. It makes perfect sense. Why they got in the house for twenty minutes? Why the why Pelosi said initially to the place, he's my friend. We it's got okay. we got like five hands up, Brian. Absolutely. I wish we had uh, more people to be able to speak here and people could just ram it. Yeah, down. yeah, guys. Let's let's cycle through the hands on the stage. So we we have like forty one requests, and then we'll bounce it back. But let's go to Cheryl. Cheryl, let's talk about it. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? I'm so sorry. I'm I'm so sad that I missed uh, the Flynn um, spaces. But Cheryl, I I announce this every single night. You need to be following Grant. You need to have the notifications on so you get an alert. I do, but you know what? I ventured out tonight and actually did my own space for the first time. So I. I missed it. Man, you should have scheduled that. Come on, man. I, I know. I, it was bad scheduling. Um, but I have a question actually for, is Jim still here or did he leave? Jim. Um, Jim should. Uh, Maybe Brian uh, can answer this question. Um, I would address Jonathan, but I'm just not in the mood for that tonight. Um, but my question is, I, I was um, during my space 
where we're talking about what can we do um, as a nation to sort of, you know, at least, um, you know, make sure that the right people are elected and, um, you know, be peaceful, of course. Um, and someone mentioned that I had totally forgotten about that the sergeant of arms has a lot of power. So we, we can actually petition, um, via, you know, our state, our, per state, um, to petition the sergeant of arms to have certain members arrested or removed. Um, and this person didn't really have all the background and I didn't have time to go research it. So I'm wondering if that's a valid, um, solution to sort of maybe hopefully get some of these people to be held accountable for what they've, what they've done. So apparently uh, you can do it. I don't via know anything a, a about petition. the sergeant of arms. Does anybody here know what? And if not, I'm, I'm sad that Jim left. I'm sure Jim would have been able to answer this. So if not, it's just something to think about that it's an actual, um, tactic that we, that we are afforded as Americans. 100%. So that might be something to look into, but, um, yeah, I will, I would love to be on the next, I will definitely be on the next, um, spaces with General Flynn and and your others. I know I'm horrible. You're a damn traitor. You're goddamn right. I actually uh, met him briefly uh, downtown once, so just amazing. So anyway, yeah, thank you for letting me speak. A traitor. <laughs> so, so sure. I am so far from a traitor. <laughs> so, sure, you're recommending that the Sergeant of Arms arrest and remove members of Congress. Here we go. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so basically, you you want you want an insurrection again. Oh, good I think Lord, she Jonathan. said she wasn't actually going to talk to you tonight, Jonathan, and I'm about to go to bed. I have a two-year-old son here at home, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but goddamn. Oh, let's talk about it. So sorry. We got to get back <laughs> to General Flynn, what he was saying. This is a spiritual war. I'm not up for arguing tonight. I'm sitting here, my Thank heart's you. racing, Thank guys. You, Stop. Man, Grant, don't you love it when the women hand oh, it over God. to the I'm not trying to hand it to them. Goddamn. <laughs> Can I just please say this? He was Jump in. About let's talk back. about it. Man, that was the the biggest psyop because of the social system to gather all that information about people. Look at the Twitter files. It's a bigger picture than just the Rico with Donald Trump. If you think about everyone that has been labeled as a domestic terrorist and how they're trying to silence and blacklist assholes like me, because I'm not afraid to speak up. You know, they're afraid of what they can't control. Nobody could control me shutting my mouth right now. That's what they're afraid of. It's spiritual war. It's a witch hunt. And that with that, I'm going to stop. Man, fired up. Absolutely. We appreciate you, Julie. Thank thank you for jumping in. for giving me that fire because, man, you guys have been going all night, keeping me up for about an hour and a half. I've been listening since Mike was here, and he's been following me, and I'm not here to brag or boast, but, damn, we need the world to change, and I'm not going to sit by while the world fucking burns. Let's talk about it. I love you, Julie. I love it, man. I I want both sides to be heard. You know, I want us to all leave here with a – at least an understanding. We don't have to agree, but at least an understanding of what we. That's can. what I'm saying. We can't be arguing about this. We're, why are we here together? You know. That's the that's the problem. That's the problem. You know, and it comes from Jonathan's people. But we appreciate you, Julie. No, no, guys, no, no, right? no, 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 no. Don't be pointing fingers, y'all. Please, when I go to bed, I don't want them to go to <laughs> shit because I can't be here to moderate. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Love you. Absolutely, guys. So if you don't want to be like Cheryl, right? You know, she, she messed up tonight. She came in late. You need to be following GC. I mean, we had Robert Kennedy yesterday. I'm pretty sure some of you missed that. 
Make sure you uh, have the it. alerts on. I was on. so mad. I was so mad I missed that. And I do have alerts on for Grant, but Twitter's funky Let's sometimes. Go. Sorry, Nelson. I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, you're the queen of spaces. You can cut me off anytime, man. Let's talk about it. <laughs> but guys, it's very important, right? I know tomorrow, Ryan Serhant, one of the, I mean, probably one of the biggest agents in the United States is going to be live here on Twitter. And it's going to be absolutely insane. I mean, Grant's bringing Donald Trump Jr. I believe that's on the 19th. Not so sure. But, I mean, CEO of Rumble. We had Robert Kennedy yesterday. We've had Roger Stone, Robert Malone, Kevin O'Leary, Pat Carroll. list goes on and on and on and on. Lara Trump as well, man. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, guys, you need to be following GC at the very least. And you need to have your alerts on. So that way, when the rooms open, boom, you get an alert on your phone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 10X Talks. It, matter of fact, do this right now. Let, let's get these replays to spread out there when this room is done so people can listen to General Mike Flynn. Hit that chat feature at the bottom right corner, retweet the space, and put a hashtag 10X Talks because this is the 10X Talks movement. Man, let's go. Let me go to phenomenology. Let's talk about it. Hey guys, um, thanks for this. I sadly only got the last five minutes of General Flynn, but it was just amazing to hear him speak. And I was hoping that he could could hear this. But since part of the um, the topic is Trump, and one of the ladies asked him bravely, "Do you think there's any way that Trump could get back in office in twenty twenty before twenty twenty four?" And you know, he answered honestly, and that no. But there were a lot of people looking at other things like. We were hoping that some of the election integrity measures would go differently. Then there was the Brunson case where many people thought that maybe Trump would be able to be reinstalled. And then when Trump announced that superhero message, remember, on truth, everyone was just like freaking out. They were like all MAGA, all of America first was like, what what is he going to announce? And when it was the NFT, they were just really upset. And if you think about why, it's because they were all hoping that there was going to be some remedy for us to get out of this. And while there's not a remedy for us to get out of it now, if we look to our state's constitution and our state's legislators with regard to 2024, there is a remedy. So I spent some time talking with Leo D'Onofrio, who is like, he's like what Mark Elias is to the Democrats. And I wish they used him more, but he's been doing a lot of consulting to us here in the stuff that's happening in Maricopa. Well, what he reminded us of and what some of the local, like um, the local Freedom Caucus here in Arizona, the state Freedom Caucus is looking at, is that if you remember, we, we vote for our, we vote for all of our, you know, our governor, our secretary of state and everything like that. But we have the electoral college for our president and how it really works in the Constitution. And this has been backed up by Supreme Court cases, most recently um, Bush versus Gore in 2020. Remember when there was that debate about who really won? Well, Gore really won the popular vote, but it ended up going to Bush. Why? Because Florida gave the electors to Bush. And why did they do that? Because it is the legislators that have plenary power, meaning absolute power, to choose the electors. So when you vote in your state, if you vote for all Republican legislatures, they have the plenary power, the absolute power to choose electors for the Republican candidate for president, just like the Democrats do. Now, that is why people like um, Grass, uh, Jamie, 
Raskin and others are trying to push so hard for us to get rid of our electoral college. And the reason is, is because they know this. If our state legislators in red states, in where there's red um, majority of like senators, state senators and state um, uh, congressmen, that they could immediately choose the electors for the Republican candidate. And that is our path. It is a complete constitutional legal path for us to win the presidency. So 100 percent. Absolutely. So I urge everyone to please talk to your state legislators, especially if you have a freedom caucus. Arizona is setting the way, but more and more of the state America first people are forming these. And it's it's not um, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a loophole. It is actually the law that we don't vote for the president. We vote for our state legislators and then they select the state electors. So we could easily just, 100%. just choose them and we could we could end this nightmare for 2024. 100%. 100%. Appreciate you for nominology. Let's go to Truman. Truman, what's going on, my brother? Hey, good evening, guys. Listen, just make it quick for you. I want to thank you for... Uh, and your crew for doing what you guys have been doing. Um, it, it's hard to put in words how much it's appreciated. Uh, it's bringing an opportunity for everybody to to talk things through. So mad shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for bringing the people that you're bringing. It's been an honor. Uh, and then I just can't get my head wrapped around the fact that a formal U.S. national security advisor and former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency said the things that he said tonight. Cannot think general flynn enough uh that is just mind-bending that he said the things that he did that there's people that will not believe what he said and that even the people that want to believe it can't even wrap their heads around it it's mind-bending thank you guys you're amazing i appreciate you truman i mean it's listen gc's bringing the big 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 wigs right gc setting this up and you know we just play our part and you know make the show happen curate the show so 100%. Jay, definitely appreciate you bringing all these guys to Twitter spaces. It's crazy. I mean, and it's proximity to, you know, individuals that, you know, majority of people in this room wouldn't have proximity to. So it's absolutely amazing what we're able to do here on Twitter. It's absolutely crazy. And, um, yeah, looking forward to a great 2023 on Twitter spaces. Yeah. Nelson, real quick, uh, and we'll probably go ahead and land here in a second, but. I posted a tweet up top, halt the vaccine now. It's time to research the connection between vaccine and cardiac arrest before one more person dies. I know I'm going to get slammed a lot of hate for people saying, oh, it's too soon. Shouldn't have done that. Lisa just died tonight, passed today. Um, you know, it's time that we halt this vaccine. They're not going to, they're going to keep pushing it and pressing it unless the people stand up. Every time you guys stand up, when you got tired of the mandates, they stopped and dropped the mandates. When you got tired of the damn masks, they stopped them and dropped them. If you guys stand up, uh, whether the timing's good or bad, the timing's now. It's already been too long. Too many people have been hurt by this. And and what does it hurt? They're, they're, COVID's not around right now. So why not just halt this thing? Do the do the some research. So if you guys could retweet or share that, get it out there, share it or don't share it, whatever. I appreciate the support. Nelson, I know we got a bunch of hands up, man, but we've been here a couple hours already, right? So what what do you say? Um, I mean, it let's um 
So we got Steve, Nicole, Storm, Dan. We got five. I mean, you want to do quick popcorn? Okay, popcorn. Boom. Steve, let's go. Hey, I wanted to just say thanks, Grant and Nelson, and you guys for bringing him on. I've served the military for a very long time, and I was in a leadership team. So kind of get perspective on where he's at. That's unique to get access to an individual like him. Um, the circles he runs around are very small. And as a general, even at his level, you're, you're either invited or you're not. And expectations are kind of crazy, too. So, I mean, the information that he carried, uh, that's incredible. And if someone doubts it or, I mean, he, he did the right thing by saying research what he's talking about. And he gave good references, which I, that's not common for officers. But I think uh, overall to be able to interview another, a guy like him to come on Twitter spaces and divulge what he's, what he's experienced, his credentials, it, that's not common. I've worked with two stars. I've been around three stars and I've been associated with four star generals and they do not do kind of what he does. And at that level, it's it's an expectation of service. I think in many occasions they serve at the pleasure of their boss. Um, they could be gone any day. They there's no guarantee he could serve. You know he would have made it as far as he did as an officer. Uh, there's a certain level of access that he has that most people never hear about. And it's interesting too when you listen to his names of like the World Economic Forum. He brings up some names. Unless you're digging into that information and you're seeking it out, those names are not common. They're they're not readily available, and and to right. have him disclose it out is that's pretty awesome. I mean, you you think think of his access. Yo yo man, where you come from, man? What's popcorn sound like? Popcorn, baby. Pop 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 pop. pop, pop, pop. pop, pop. Let's go, yeah. let's go, let's go. So I guess <laughs> I don't really have a question for him. I just proud that that he led the army and. He was where he was at. And I just want to say thank you guys because having you in the world that I walked walked in for many years, I, I can tell you this is a real rarity. So thank you, Grant. Thank you, Nelson. He was an awesome guy. And uh, I just appreciate being able to leave a comment. But, yeah, follow him. I just did a little while ago. Thanks for that. And it was just a pleasure to, to be a part of this. Absolutely. Thank you guys. No, we appreciate Steve, you, my brother. Appreciate your service, Steve, man. You know, I brought you up here. You know, I love you. I, I love you too, Grant. Folks, a long time. I love all you guys. It's it's a great room. Your talks are crazy good, and I just wanted you all to understand it. It's not he doesn't just do that. You're a true. So you're a true you. American patriot, my brother. I'll take you over, Jonathan Big, any day, my brother. One hundred percent. Love you guys. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Let's go to Nicole. Quick popcorn. By the way, I have a link up top. Lisa Marie Presley dead. We're going to be talking about it in about 10 minutes. Link is up top. Nicole, let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. I Let's popcorn about well, it. I never expected <laughs> you to accept my request, so I've got a million things I want to talk about and all things. Oh, I hell think. no. Can we reduce it to one? We're going to reduce it. <laughs> let's talk about General Flynn. Um, I have been following General Flynn since... Before he was unsilenced, before his court case was ever over. Um, and I'm really surprised at how many people in this space have not, didn't know about General Flynn or hadn't followed him. This man, I cannot say enough about this man. Jonathan, I hope that you will follow General Flynn. I hope that you will go back through his tweets. He's been 
he was suspended two years ago or more. Imagine how much he has said since then. Um, he, I can tell you, comes from a very long line of Democrat family. They vote Democrat. He voted Democrat all his life, just like Donald Trump and just like myself. I voted Republican when Donald Trump ran for office. Democrat all my life before that. We'll never vote Democrat again. But General Flynn, I can assure you, everything that he says is the truth. On the the question that Jonathan raised that he pled guilty, he pled guilty right. because they broke him. They broke him 100%. financially of every single dime that he had. I contributed to his defense fund. So the man is legit. Uh, are you aware of his brother? Did he talk about his brother? I joined late because I didn't have live notifications on for Grant. But now you do, of right? Course. Boom. You're never going to miss it again. Let's talk I'm about not. it. Okay. Nicole, appreciate you, man. Listen, can't wait to see you in the next. Like Grant said, General Flynn is down to come back in here. So I'm pretty sure Grant's going to set it up. It's going to be big. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's and got so much more to talk about. I follow him. He follows me. His whole family follows me. They are amazing Let's people. Let's go. His brother Let's is go. a four-star general. I mean, General crazy. Flynn would not be speaking these words to jeopardize his brother's career if it were not true. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Appreciate Thank you, Nicole. You. Thank you very much. Let's go. Mr. Storm, how you doing today, man? Let's go. Hey, excellent. Um, I think Grant did an excellent job. Lena's question was spot on. I got triggered because of Jonathan, but if I had to sum this up, <laughs> January 6th was a cocktail party. If a million and a half people showed up, wait till you see 12 and a half million armed veterans. You know, I, I'll just sum it up there, but... Honor and conviction. That's a man that would not betray this country or his oath. He wouldn't be a traitor like Pence. If Trump would have selected that man, he would not have turned his back on January 6th. There would have been uh, an investigation into the election fraud. And that's all I got to say, Nelson. Great job. My brother, man. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate you. And uh, absolutely. Brian, let's talk about it. Hey, guys. Thanks for bringing me up. I really appreciate it. I'd also like to say, you know, thanks for hosting this space. This is truly incredible. Um, I, I still can't believe I just heard uh, General Flynn speak. Um, I'm a, uh, a Navy veteran myself, and he has my utmost uh, respect. Um, there's quite a bit that I learned about him tonight that really I was I was ignorant about. So that, that was great to have that opportunity. Um, I wanted to really quick just touch on the World Economic Forum. Um you know, I had my revelation when Fauci's emails were subpoenaed through the Freedom of Information Act. And I, I want to say that was approximately like Q2 2021, um, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, I just felt something was off. I, I don't know. A lot, we've been talking about a spiritual warfare. Um, I have just felt, you know, I've learned to trust my gut over the years and you know, I, I've kind of renamed my gut to kind of like the Holy Spirit. And it's just, I can't explain it, but something has really been drawing me towards like the truth and something is off. 
So when uh, Fauci's emails came out, I was expecting like the, you know, accountability immediately. I was expecting the media to pick it up and it was nothing but crickets. And I was stunned. And I learned very quickly that no one is coming to rescue me. No one's coming to rescue us. It's up to me to do my part and, and spread the word. So I, um, I started doing my research. Um, and I uh, came across, um, Klaus Schwab's, um, COVID-19 and the great reset. And, um, that's kind of my main point. Um, why I want to be brought up. I just wanted to spread the word. I, I took notes. I, I went, I went through and read that, um, and marked off everything that seemed to be, like, be very pertinent for the public to know to kind of paint a picture of what the agenda is. And so I took notes and, and I uploaded to a Google drive. And so I have it pinned on my, um, my Twitter homepage. So if, if anyone would like to, you know, they don't want to go through the, the, the horror of reading the entire book. I totally understand. Everyone has lives and, and um, we can only allocate so much time. Right. Yes, so sir. I wanted to, to kind of help just give some cliff notes with the references and everything. Um, and, awesome, you know, going back, That's great. Twitter, going back to these Twitter spaces, I think these are great and all, and, and it's unprecedented. However, it I think it's unprecedented. Very, it's awesome having you here tonight, too, brother. 100%. 100%. My so, man. So, hey, uh, Nelson, you want to trans, you want to move to that, uh, to, to your uh, new room you're setting up. Am I right? Absolutely. Lisa Marie Go Presley. Ahead. Link up what, top. Do that right now, and I'll shut this one down, buddy. Let's okay. do it. And, and I can wrap up if you guys need me to. So oh, all I can oh, say. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 thought, I, I, yeah, I thought you <laughs> let it already, man. I thought you <laughs> were for real, bro. I mean, God, <laughs> you were wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. We'll catch you in the next one, man. Thank you very much. Um, JC, let's land this thing. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, appreciate everybody being here tonight again. I do Ryan Serhant tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you're able to, how you, how you follow my channel or have the notifications turned on, but if you do that, you won't miss anything. And I promise you, I will continue to bring world leaders and big thinkers. And, and like, as soon as Elon improves spaces, uh, there'll be more of you that get to come up and talk, speak and ask questions. I look forward to that day. I look forward to getting to know all you guys. I know my wife and I both are very much into people. We love people, good people that want to do good things, big things, and be successful. Wishing you guys massive success in 2023. And until next time, thank you for joining. Let's go. Thank you, G. Thank you, Nelson. Great room, everybody. Thank you. Good night.